gated. I so moved Chepesum. Kalebacha. Thank you very much, Honorable He. We will now move on to motions without notice. Uh, I will now, Honorable Delegates, allow an opportunity to delegates who wish to move motions without notice. Um, and uh, uh, of course, the indication, the, let me just indicate there that uh, 20 minutes uh, in total uh, is allocated for, for, for these, these motions. Uh, and I'll try and follow the lists on the screen. Allocated. Uh, uh, the first person is Mikalakis, uh, to be followed by uh, Honorable Khai. Let's start with Mikalakis. Thank you, Honourable Chair. Uh, on behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I hereby wish to move without notice that this council notes that Masinonyana local municipality has still not paid its employees their salaries for May due to cash flow issues. That employees were yesterday offered an insulting 1,000 rand food voucher instead of their salaries. Since at least the 2017-18 financial year, it has received a disclaimer audit opinion for not submitting its financial statements to the Auditor General. Ironically, the failure to disclose came just after the AG was given the powers to refer wrongdoing to the law enforcement agencies. The most recent audit outcome was no exception, a disclaimer again. The MM is currently suspended, but not for his maladministration, and the mayor is facing charges of incitement to violence. Yet there has been absolutely no consequence management for top officials or politicians for running this, ruining this municipality financially whatsoever. And lastly, that this council condemns the theft and incompetence that, this, that is rife at this municipality and requests National Treasury to intervene in taking the necessary steps to ensure that a full investigation is done into the financial management of this municipality without further delay. I so move. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, is there any objection to the motion? None. There being no objection, uh, the, motion, the motion is agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable uh, Khai. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Greetings. Um, I hereby move without notice on behalf of the African National Congress that the House notes with sadness the untimely passing away of His Majesty King Zanuzu Kotelov Uyositao of the Kingdom of Amampondo. Ah, Zanuzu. Further note that King Zanuzu Kotelov was a great leader and one of the reigning monarchs who unequivocally embraced democracy and be remembered for the being the epitome of unity within Amampondo Royal House. King Zanuzugosta will serve the people of the kingdom of Amampondo with great distinction during his reign and was highly respected by his people and South Africa at large. We extend our deepest condolences to Her Majesty Queen Zuziwe Victoria Nobanja his sisters, his children, the royal family of Amampondo and Amampondo nation. I so move. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. No, thank you very much, uh, uh, Honorable Khai. Any objection to the motion? None. Ah, Zadozuk. Uh, we will then proceed to 
Honorable uh, Boshoff. Thank you very much, Chair. On behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I hereby move without notice that this council notes that last week the Leidenberg Magistrates Court found the Tabachero municipality guilty of the contravention of the National Water and Environmental Law Acts. Further notes that this was after the DA laid charges in 2018 and 2020 against the municipality and its municipal manager. Again, notes that since 2011, the community of Mashishing have been complaining to the municipality about the sewer villages and contamination of water supplies, but a blind eye was turned to these complaints. Also notes that this prompted the DA to lay charges relating to pollution, as the municipality was allowing and directing sewer villages directly into the Dorps River and not reporting this to the communities who were using this river as their water lifeline. Further notes that the court penalized the municipality with 10 million rand, of which half was suspended for five years on condition that it is not convicted of a similar offense during the suspension. Notes that effectively 4,8 million is to be used in urgent repairs and refurbishment of the municipal infrastructure. 200,000 rand is to be used as payment for compensation to the Department of Environmental Affairs in equal shares for expenses incurred during the investigation stages. This is not only a victory for the DA, but a victory for the community of Maashishing, whom were directly affected by the pollution of the rivers and streams. And finally notes that the DA and the community will continue continue to carry out oversight inspections to ensure that the municipality adheres to the deadlines and sanctions laid down by the court. I so move. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, any objection to the motion? None. Uh, and there being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of Section 65 uh, of the Constitution. Honorable Christian. Thank you, Chairperson. On behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I hereby move without notice that this council notes that just a week after Kochster in the Northern Cape won a court order against ESCOM to provisionally unfreeze Renosterberg municipality's bank account, the municipality was again plunged into an even deeper crisis after the Phillipstown Ratepayers Association obtained a court order to freeze the municipality's bank account. Notes with concern that the new litigation means that Renosterberg will not be able to service its outstanding debt of around 93 million rand, still owed to ESCOM, nor will it be able to pay salaries. This is despite staff of Renosterberg only having received two basic salary payments courtesy of the Premier's office and zero pension, medical and other contributions since November 2021. Further notes that service delivery in Renosterberg has come to a standstill and that sewage is flowing into the Van der Kloof Dam and that the municipality has no access to funds to purchase diesel for its refuse and sewage trucks. Acknowledges that there is nothing this municipality can do to save itself, given that it is indebted, it is bankrupt, and services have collapsed. And furthermore, there is no political will by the provincial government to pull the municipality out of the condition it currently is, and resolves that Renosserberg is in need of the highest level of national intervention available, namely a section 139.7 intervention. I so move. 
Thank you very much, Chairperson. Well, thank you very much. Uh, any objection to the motion? None. Uh, there being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the Constitution. Uh, Honorable Professor. Honorable Chair, on behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I hereby move without notice that this council notes that five years of litigation and five court orders later, the court has finally ordered the district to provide water to indigenous residents of five villages in the Flag Bushilu West Limpopo area. However, still left with no access to water despite a 143 million rand pledge by Minister Lindiwe Sisulu in 2020. Further notes that despite disobeying court orders, the municipality was also bound uh, and found in willful contempt of court in 2019. Again, notice that no reaction was received after submission of the petition to the Office of the Presidency and the Department of Water and Sanitation in November 2021, and that this House takes note of the failure of the Sukukuni District Municipality to comply with their mandate in providing a basic human need and a constant human and, and the constitutional human right to the communities of Flag Bushilu um, West. The 7,000 petitioners yeah, are subjected to yes. inhumane conditions failed to uh, failed by every yes, by approach leading to okay, life-giving water. Uh, just Here. a minute. Uh, can I ask uh, Honorable Njadu there in the background just to make sure that uh, the, the, the proceedings are not uh, uh, in any way disturbed? Um, uh, uh, and, and this applies to all other members. Uh, let's really ensure that uh, we, we remain orderly. Uh, Honorable Professor, please proceed. Chair, I do not know where I lost you guys. We are losing you, Honorable Professor. Please unmute or make sure okay. that you're the, uh, This House takes note of the failure of the municipality to comply with the mandate in providing a basic human need and a constitutional human right to the communities of Flag Bushilo West. The 7,000 petitioners are subjected to inhumane conditions filed by every government structure approach leading to have access to life-giving water. I so move. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any objection to the motion? None. There being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the uh, Constitution. Honorable Mletane. Thank you, Chairperson. I rise on behalf of the Economic Freedom Fighters with motion without notice that the council should note that the appalling state of municipalities in South Africa, as only 16% of South African of the municipalities in South Africa were given a clean audit by the Auditor General for the 2020-2021 financial year. That the House will further note that the municipalities in the Free State Province stand on the brink of collapse as none received a clean audit. 
as per the cons- consolidated general report on the local government uh, audit outcome. The House will uh, further acknowledge that the three municipalities in the Free State Province, Malutiapofung, Tokoloho, and Masilonyana, are among those which cannot account for their finances. Further acknowledge that there exists a worrying trend regarding financial management and accounting practices in the Free State. As every year, those three municipalities fail to account for their finances with no steps taken to address this matter. The House should also recognize that good financial management in the public sector requires that the the spending of public funds must be accurate, correct, and according to the prescribed policies, policies, processes, and uh, legislation. As EFF, we call for government intervention in in this province of free state in order to ensure that budgets are prepared for are prepared for properly and that finances are managed properly. I so move. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Uh, is there an objection to the motion? None. There being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of section 65 of the of the constitution. Honorable Ogham. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Honorable Chairperson, on behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I hereby move without notice that this council notes with concern the failure by the Gasigonyana local municipality in the Northern Cape to deliver basic sewer and water services as contained in Chapter 2 of the Constitution of South Africa. Again notes with concern the fact that the outflow of the Kuruman Eye, a natural spring that daily delivers more than 20 million liters of water, is being contaminated due to raw sewer flowing into the furrow downstream of the Kuruman Eye. Further notes that there are several sewer pump stations in the town of Kuruman that are regularly out of order and that the sewer overflow of these defective pump stations is directly or indirectly flowing into this furrow that is supposed to provide water to the people of Gasegonyana. Notes with concern that this furrow, as well as the two cement canals either side of the furrow, has not been cleaned and maintained for many years, which led to the fact that they are blocked from flowing through the town of Kuruman to the rural villages further downstream, and that these blockages in effect created large dams of sewer contaminated water in the town of Kuruman. Also notes that the failure to clean this furrow and canals as well as the sewer contamination thereof, is having a devastating effect on the underground water quality and also holds on an enormous health risk to the people of Gasegonyana. That this house calls upon Gasegonyana local municipality to rectify these problems by immediately cleaning and thereafter continuously maintaining the furrow and canals, as well as to repair and maintain the sewer pump stations that are contaminating this precious water system and request that the Green Scorpions investigate this matter and also ask them to monitor the progress of these urgently required actions that need to be taken. I so move. Thank you very much. Uh, Any objection to the motion? None. There being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of section 65 
of the Constitution. Honorable team, brother, sir. Please note me also, Chair Jadu. Thank you, Chairperson. On behalf of the Democratic Alliance, I hereby move without notice that this council notes with great concern the ongoing and persistent crisis of political violence in the killing fields of KwaZulu-Natal. Notes that President Ramaphosa established an interministerial task team in 2018 to combat the scourge. Notes that despite this intervention, over 300 cases of political violence have been registered with the SAPS since 2018. Notes that five councillors, one former MPL, six prominent activists, and four Izinduna have been tragically murdered since September 2021, and that other councillors have narrowly escaped attempts on their lives. Further notes that in Etiguini alone, 34 councillors and four officials have close protection services allocated to them, comprising 94 bodyguards and 50 vehicles, all as a result of the credible political violence threats. Notes that the Morani Commission report, released in September 2018, calls on the political parties involved to urgently lessen tension and competition between their members. Calls on these political parties to account to this House on measures taken by them to implement the Morani recommendations and calls on the Minister of Police, Honorable Becky Kele, to urgently brief this House on the progress of all political violence cases in KZN and the concrete actions being taken to reduce the scourge. I so move. Thank you very much. And no objection to the motion? There being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable Gillian. Honorable Chairperson, I hereby move without notice on behalf of the African National. There is a problem there with your system. Uh, Honorable Gillian, if you can try again. Honorable Chair Jadu. Noted, Jadu. Honorable Gillian, if you can try again. Uh, we'll for now leave Honorable Gillian and go on to Honorable Shaikh. Honorable Shaikh. Thank you very much, um, Honorable Jefferson. I rise on behalf of the African National Congress that the Council notes with utmost concern that the city of Cape Town, which has been hailed as the post of the best performing municipality, has shown regressive financial management and reporting the last couple of years under the leadership of the Democratic Alliance. Further notes that according to the 2020-21 Consolidated General Report on Local Government Audit Outcomes Report that was released by the Auditor General, Ms. Sakani Maluleke, the city of Cape Town was the biggest contributor to the 1.2 billion in irregular expenditure incurred by the Western Cape municipalities in the 2020-21 financial year. Acknowledges that while the Western Cape came out on top, having 22 of the 41 municipalities with clean audits, the city of Cape Town Metro was flagged for being the number one contributor of irregular expenditure at 762 million, and the DA Ram Stellenbosch municipality has incurred irregular expenditure of 89.8 million, while Neisner was the third largest, largest contributor at 67.7 million irregular expenditure and take this opportunity to call on the city of Cape Town to come clean and take action against those who have shown utter subversion and disregard of the Municipal Finance Management Act. I so move. Thank you, Chaps. Thank you very much. An objection to the motion? Object. 
Object. Uh, there being an objection, Object. the motion may not be proceeded with and will become a notice of a, of a motion. Uh, Sorry, I'm back. We'll move on to uh, Bartlett first before we go back to Gillian. Bartlett? Honorable Chair. Honorable uh, Chair, uh, Yes. Am Bartlett? I audible, Chair? Yes, you're audible. audible. Okay. Uh, good afternoon, Honorable Chair. I hereby move with a motion without notice uh, on behalf of the African National Congress that the House firstly welcome the recent report by the Ministers of Home Affairs and Transport, Honorable Aaron Machaledi and Honorable Fikile Mbalula, for the swift arrest of the four illegal Bangladeshis and four Pakistani nationals who illegally arrived at Uwar Tambo without necessary legal documents. And secondly, Honorable Chairperson notes that according to reports, Minister Machualeri has em emphasized that because South Africa does not have transit visas, that has made it easy for illegal foreigners to make their way illegally into the country. And thirdly, Honorable Chairperson, therefore call on the government to put in place the necessary mechanisms to stop this kind of illegal entering into the country. I so move, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Any objection to the motion? None. There being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of, of Section 65 of the Constitution. Uh, Honorable Gillian. Thank you, Chairperson. I'm yes. here. Please proceed. I, please allow me to not switch on my video because of paid network, please, Chair. Um, Chairperson, um, I hereby move without notice on behalf of the African National Congress that the House notes that the Cape Town City's Controversial Safety and Security Investigation Unit has once again come under scrutiny, this time about the recent recovery of a firearm allegedly found last week at the home of one of its unit's members. Further note that the Glock 9mm pistol was reported missing in March 2020, after it was allegedly stolen from a member of the same unit, but was recovered in the ceiling of another one. Further note that the Minister of Police indicated that this unit operated outside the law. As he said, it was not established outside the law, uh, sorry, in terms of the police acts. Therefore, call on the police to leave no stone unturned in the investigation about this pistol and the involvement of the members of the unit. I so move on a chairperson. Well, thank you very much. Any objection? There being, no, there being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable Mzamai. chairperson, uh, can you allow me? To not to use my... Please proceed. My, yeah. Okay. Arrest on behalf of the e Economic Emancipation Movement, EFF, that cancelled in its next sitting debate the issue of poor service delivery, which is one of the biggest challenges facing South Africa today. Municipalities across the country do not have 
the required resources to fulfill basic service. As is the case in Mfuleni Municipality, Zone 12 Extension 2, where the residents have been without electricity for four years. This is concerning to note as a poor service delivery and general poor government service lead to the decline of resources, job losers, and overall poor living condition. I so move, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Then objection to the motion? None. Uh, there being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable Nchabele. Uh, thanks, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, uh, Allow me to rise without notice on behalf of the African National Congress that this House notes with sense of appreciation the 80th birthday of Africa's giant revolutionary intellectual of the 20th and 21st century, the former President Tawon Beki. The significant role that former President Beki played in the rebuilding of Africa his integration in the global economy and his peace-building efforts. Further take this opportunity to celebrate the former President Beggy for demonstrating loyalty to the people and the country above, above personal interest by stepping down upon request by his own party to avoid political instability. Therefore, call upon this August House to extend this message of good wishes to former President Beggy on his 80th birthday and wishes him the best in many other years to come. I so move the Akenza. Thank you very much, Honorable Nchabele. Uh, any objection to the motion? None. There being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of Section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable Njadu. Thank you. Good afternoon, Chairperson. Um, uh, without a notice. Honorable Chairperson, I hereby move on behalf of the African National Congress that uh, this House notes with concern the political instability that continu continues wrecked the Western Cape legislature since the recent past. At the core of this instability is the bullying tactics of the Democratic Alliance by abusing its majority to institutionalize lawlessness and unethic conduct. This is evident in the series of reports that include the findings by the public protector about meddling by the MEC for local government in the appointment of senior personnel in George municipality and the latest allegations of abuse of official residents by Premier Alan Windy for DA caucus party political activities. There, therefore, calls on the DA leadership to hawk the talk of clean and ethical govern, governance by investigating these allegations in a transparent and open manner and act appropriately. I so moved. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. An objection to the motion? I object, yes, sir. Uh, there being a, an objection, the motion may not be proceeded with and will become a notice of the motion. Honorable Nkosi? 
Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. I hereby move without notice on behalf of the African National Congress that their house notes that the legendary poet, writer, and publisher, James Matthews, has been honored with the Department of Sports, Arts, and Culture Awards, which recognizes living legends in the arts and culture sector. Further note that Matthews received the Fantuka of Living Legends Recognition Series Awards at ceremony in Cape Town over the weekend. Also note that through his extensive body of work, only armed with a pen, Matthews was fiercely committed to politically and social justice and was awarded the National Order of the Ikamanga in silver for his excellent achievement in literature. We therefore congratulate James Matthews on this achievement and wish him all the best in his future endeavors. I so moved, Honorable Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, any objection to the motion? There being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of section 65 of the, of the Constitution. Fantuka. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, Honorable Mtetwa. Thank you, Honorable Chair. I hereby move without notice that the Council note and welcome the arrest, swift uh, arrest of the Gupta brothers, who were listed as South African most wanted suspect. I further note that Rajesh and Aluta Gupta were wanted for their alleged involvement in a massive and grand scale of corruption, fraud, money laundering, and bribery. Gupta's uh, and bribe and capture government contracts and misappropriation of the state asset that systematically exhausted public funds for their personal gratifications and enrichment. And I, I further take this opportunity to express its support of the process to ensure that they are speedily extradited to South Africa to face the fully mighty of the law. I saw so move, Honorable Chair. No, thank you very much, Honorable Mtetwa. Any objection to the motion? None, and there being no objection, the motion is agreed to in terms of section 65 of the constitution. Thank you very much, honorable members. We will now proceed to the first and second orders. Uh, I would like to take this opportunity to welcome the MECs and all permanent and special delegates uh, to the house. Uh, we will now proceed to the first and second orders. Uh, the first being consideration of, of report of Select Committee on Security and Justice, Announcement Tablings and Committee Reports, 15 June 2022, uh, page 116, draft notice and, and schedule as submitted in terms of section 24 of, of the Charges Remuneration and Conditions of Employment Act 2001, Act number 47 of 2001, determining the rate of which salaries are payable to constitutional court judges and judges annually dated 15 June 2022. Uh, and secondly, consideration of a report of a select committee 
on security and justice announcement tablings and committee report 15, 15 June 2022, page 117. Draft notice and schedule tabled in terms of section 12.3 of the Magistrate Act 1993, Act number 90 of 1993, determining the rate of which are payable to magistrates annually, dated 15 June 2022. I now call on uh, Honorable S. Shaikh, Chairperson of the Select Committee on Security and Justice to present the committee report. Um, uh, uh, Honorable Shaikh. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Greetings to yourself and to all members that are on this platform. Honorable Chairperson, in terms of the Judges Remuneration and Conditions of Employment Act 2001, Constitutional Court judges and judges are entitled to annual salaries and such allowances or benefits is determined by the president from time to time after taking into account the recommendation of the Independent Commission for the Remuneration of Public Office Barriers. Furthermore, in terms of the Magistrates Act 1993, magistrates are entitled to annual salaries and such allowances or benefits is determined by the president from time to time after taking into account the recommendation of the Independent Commission for the Remuneration of Public Office Bearers. On the 27th of May, 2022, the draft notices and schedules containing the President's determination were submitted to Parliament for approval before publication and was referred to the Committee for Consideration and Report. On the 15th of June, 2022, the Committee was briefed on both draft notices and schedules as follows. The Independent Commission for the Remuneration of Public Office Bearers recommended a 3% salary increment to the President for all office bearers, including judges and magistrates, for the 2021-22 financial year with effect from the 1st of April 2021. The Commission gazetted its report on the remuneration of, of all office bearers on the 30th of March 2022. The Commission considered, amongst others, the submissions from the various stakeholders, the fiscal condition of the state, the state's wage bill, the impact of the salary increment of, of the state's office bearers on the fiscus, the general economic status of the country as affected by the COVID-19 pandemic and the affordability of the fiscus. The President, having considered the serious economic situation of the country, and the Independent Commission's recommendations has proposed to determine a 3% increase to the salaries of the Constitutional Court judges and judges of other courts and the magistrates, respectively. Honorable Chair, the recommendations of the committee are as follows. With regard to the first order, the Select Committee on Security and Justice, having considered the draft notice and schedule, determining the rate with effect from the 1st of April 2021, at, at which salaries, allowances, and benefits are payable to constitutional court judges and judges annually for approval by parliament in terms of section two, subsection four of the Judges Remuneration and Conditions of Employment Act 2001 recommends that the council approve the said draft notice and schedule. And with regard to the second order, honorable chair, the select committee on security and justice having considered the draft notice and schedule Determining the rate 
with effect from the 1st of April 2021, at which salaries, allowances, and benefits are payable to magistrates annually for approval by, for approval by Parliament in terms of Section 12, Subsection 3 of the Magistrates Act 1993, recommends that the Council approve the said draft notice and schedule. I thank you very much, Jefferson. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Shaikh. Uh, uh, and thank you very much, Honorable Delegates. Uh, I now put the question. The question is that the report be agreed to. Uh, before we proceed to voting, I shall now allow provinces the opportunity to make their iterations of vote in terms of Rule 86, uh, if they so wish. And just to remind uh, 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 all delegates, uh, there's a maximum of three minutes uh, uh, per, per declaration. Um, any declaration? None. Uh, and that being the case, we shall now proceed to voting on the first order. And the question is that the report be agreed to. And uh, now call on the provinces to cast their votes. Uh, when called upon uh, to vote, heads of delegations must indicate whether they vote in favor, against, or abstain. And we shall do so in alphabetical order. Uh, we'll start with the Eastern Cape. Thank you very much. Uh, once again, uh, Honorable Chairperson, uh, Eastern Cape is voting in favor. Thank you. Eastern Cape voting in favor. Free State? Free State votes in favor, Honorable Chairperson of the Council. Yes, Free State vote in favor. Kauteng? Kauteng in favor, Honorable Chairperson. Kauteng is voting in favor. Kwazulu Natal? Kwazulu Natal, yes, Limpopo? Limpopo vote in favor, Honorable Chairperson. Limpopo is voting in favor. Mpumalanga? Mpumalanga vote in favor of the report, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much. Northern Cape? Northern Cape vote in favor, Honorable Chairperson. Northern Cape vote in favor. Northwest. Honorable Chair, Northwest favors the report. <laughs> Northwest <laughs> voting in favor. Western Cape. Western Cape supports the report. Western Cape supports the report. Voting is now closed. Um, um, uh, now to the deterioration of the of the results. So nine provinces voted in favor. Uh, I therefore declare the report agreed to in accordance with section 65 of the of the constitution. Thank you very much. Um, before I proceed to voting on the second order, I shall I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make the declaration of vote in terms of. Uh, Rule 86, if they so wish. Again, a reminder, maximum three minutes per declaration. Um, uh, any declaration? None. Uh, we shall now proceed to voting on the second order. And the question is that the report be agreed to. I now call upon the provinces to cast their votes. And when called upon, uh, heads of delegations must indicate, indicate whether they vote in favor, against, or abstain. Uh, we'll do so in alphabetical order. We'll start with the Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape? 
And your Honorable Chairperson, uh, Eastern Cape vote in favor. Eastern Cape is voting in favor, Free State. State supports, Chair. State supports, Gauteng. Gauteng supports, Chair. Gauteng supports, Kwazulu Natal. Kwazulu Natal, yes, Kaslan. Limpopo support, Honorable Chairperson. Limpopo support, Malanga. Kumalanga vote in favor, Honorable Chairperson. Kumalanga vote in favor, Northern Cape. Northern Cape vote in favor, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much. Northwest. Northwest PM Manokeng, reporter, Honorable Chairperson. Northwest agrees. Yes. Thank you very much. Western Cape. Western Cape support. Western Cape supports. Uh, having closed the voting, uh, uh, nine provinces uh, now declaring the, the vote, the results. Uh, nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report agreed to in accordance with Section 65 of the of the Constitution. Uh, we will now proceed, uh, honorable delegates. Uh, to the third and fourth orders. Uh, uh, the third order, consideration of report of select, select committee on transport, public service and administration, public works and infrastructure, ATC 15 June 2022, page 113. Draft regulation uh, 116A in terms of section 75.6 of the National Road a traffic Act of 1996, 1996, Act number 93 of 1996, dated 15 June 2022. Uh, the fourth order being consideration of the report of the Select Committee on, on Transport, Public Service and Administration, Public Works and Infrastructure, 86, 15 June 2022, page 115, protocols relating to the amendments to Article 50A and 56 of the Convention on International Civil Aviation, dated 15 June 2022. I now call on Honorable K.M. Muima, Chairperson of the Select Committee on Transport, Public Services and Administration, Public Works and Infrastructure, to present the committee report. Uh, reports. Uh, Honorable uh, Muima. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Chair. Uh, greetings to, to the Chair and the, and the leadership of the House. Uh, correctly so, Chair, this is the report on the draft regulation 116 in terms of section 756. Let me uh, indicate that the, we are reporting to the House that uh, uh, the committee did not agree to the draft regulation. Uh, first, the process that we followed, Chair, uh, in terms of section 756 of the National Road Traffic Act, before the minister makes any regulations, the minister may, if he or she deems it expedient to cause a draft, the proposed regulations to be published in the Gazette, together with a notice calling upon all interrogated classes to lodge in writing and within a period specified in the notice, but not less than four weeks. Uh, it is important, Chair, just to indicate that the draft regulation. 116A was referred to the committee on the 22nd April 2021. The department uh, briefed the committee on 10 
November 2021. And the committee agreed as follows, that the members should take the draft regulations to their respective superdepocus for guidance. Secondly, the draft regulation should be sent back to the draft to incorporate issues raised by the committee and the department should conduct further extensive consultation. Uh, the, the Parliament's Constitutional and Legal Services Office should be requested to provide a legal opinion on the constitutionality of Section 32.3a of the National Road Traffic Act, whether it is in line or is in conflict with the latest SADC treaties. On the 23rd April 2022, the committee received and deliberated on the legal opinion from the Parliament's Constitutional and Legal Services Office. The committee chair welcomed the legal opinion and resolved that the Department of Transport would draw the draft regulations and allow the parliamentary process to amend the National Rules Traffic Act uh, to be completed. This will cover the areas which draft regulations seek to address. Uh, the committee did not agree to the draft regulations as indicated. chair. I will comment to the National Council of Province that uh, adopt this report. The, the second uh, uh, report chair is on the Chicago Convention uh, relating to the amendments to Article 58 and 56 of the Convention. Honorable uh, House, the National Chairperson. Uh, we are making a current call to the honorable members of the House to vote and adopt the ratification of the protocols leading to the amendments to Article 58 and 6 of the Convention. So, Africa as a member state of the uh, CAO ratified the Chicago Convention on the 4th of April 1947. This convention national chair was incorporated into the national legislation through Schedule 3 of the Civil Aviation Act number 18 of 2009. South Africa Chair is currently a member of the Cow Council under Part 2, states which make the largest contribution to the provision of facilities for international civil navigation since 2003. At the 39th session of the, of the International Civil Aviation Organization Assembly held in 2016, the Assembly adopted two protocols amending one Article 58, which provides that the Cow Council shall be a permanent board responsible to the assembly, and it shall be composed of 36 contracting states elected to the assembly. Article 56, which provides that the Air Navigation Commission shall be composed of 19, 19 members appointed by the council from among the nominated contracting states. The proposed amendment as follows, National Chair. Uh, Article 58 of the Convention provides for the increase in the size of the council from 36 members to 40 members. Secondly, Article 6 of the Convention provides for the increase in the membership of the Air Navigation Commission from 19 members to 21 members. These amendments are necessary due to the following. The large increase in the membership of the CAO and the expansion of international air transport and national economies in many countries. Secondly, the current membership of the Council the CAO does not strike a better balance due to increased representation of contracting states. Thirdly, the expertise and experience from diverse operational skills and knowledge can be drawn from the new contractor state. After thorough consultation, Chair, the committee recommends that the House adopt the report. Thank you, Chair.
I don't know. Is there anything wrong with the with the chairperson's uh, gadget? Right. Are For you back? I was uh, uh, muted so, here. There are some oh, people who are manipulating the the system from <laughs> the other side of uh, <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, the universe. You, but... <laughs> Thank you very much. And I put the question. The question is that the report be agreed to. But before we proceed to with the voting, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make uh, the declaration of vote in terms of Rule 86, if they so wish. And as indicated before, maximum three minutes per, per declaration. Um, any declaration? Uh, none. I see none on, on my screen here. We shall now proceed to the voting of the of the of the third order. And the question is that the report be agreed to. I now call upon provinces to cast their votes. And when called upon heads of delegation, uh, as a vote must indicate whether they vote in favor, against, or, or abstain. We shall do so in alphabetical order. Um, uh, we'll start with the Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape. Pumalanga vote in favor, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much. Northern Cape. Northern Cape vote in favor, Honorable Chairperson. Northern Cape vote in favor, Northwest. Northwest supports, Honorable Chair. Northwest supports, Western Cape. Western Cape support. Western Cape supports. Uh, now the voting is closed. Um, and now to the declaration of the results. Uh, nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report agreed to in accordance with section 65 of the constitution. Uh, uh, beef. We'll now move on to the fourth order. Uh, before I proceed to voting, I shall now allow provinces the opportunity to make uh, the declaration of vote in terms of Rule 86, if they so wish. Once again, uh, three minutes uh, maximum per declaration. Um, uh, any declaration? None. We shall therefore proceed to voting on the fourth order. And the question is that the report be agreed to. And now call on the, upon the provinces to cast their votes. And when called upon to vote, heads of delegation must indicate whether they vote in favor, against, or abstain. We'll do so in alphabetical order. Um, we'll start with the with the Eastern Cape. 
Northwest support, Western Cape. Western Cape supports, Honorable Chair. Western Cape supports. Thank you very much. Uh, the, having closed the voting, uh, uh, now for the titillation of the results, uh, nine provinces have voted in favor. I therefore declare the report agreed to in accordance with section 65 of the constitution. Thank you very much. We will now proceed to the, the fifth order, consideration of consolidated report on the provincial week 29th March to the 1st of April 2022, assessing state capacity to respond to the needs of communities. Uh, announcement tablings and committee reports, 9th June 2022, page 2. Uh, I now call upon the Honorable Nyambi, House Chairperson uh, Committees, to open the, the debate. Honorable Nyambi. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson Honorable Masondo. Deputy Chair, Honorable Lucas, House Chairperson, uh, Mengwenya, Chief Whip, Ntajemohai, MEC, Special Delegates, colleagues, ladies and gentlemen. The importance that the National Council of Provinces attaches to its provincial week is not just a matter of constitutionality. The prime responsibility that we have to provinces and local government. Rather, the provincial week provides for us the opportunity to assess whether the policies, programs, and budgets we pass through the appropriation bill and division of revenue are in fact having the intended impact on communities and targeted groups, as we'll be doing that on the 23rd. The Provincial Week 2022, Chair, it's one of the key mechanisms initiated by the NCOP to achieve its constitutional mandate of representing the provincial interest. It is intended to provide permanent delegates to the NCOP the opportunity to return to their provinces as delegations to deal with matters that affect their provinces in the national sphere of government. It also affords the NCOP the opportunity to undertake joint oversight with members of legislature 
and municipalities and work together in ensuring the continuous monitoring of progress in delivery of services in our respective communities chair. For Provincial Week 2022, our task was to focus on matters that affect the provinces in the national sphere of government. When we embark on our last Provincial Week from the 29th of March to the 1st of April 2022, we had one and only one thing in our mind, and that was to assess whether the state possesses the necessary capacity to meet the needs of our communities. Chairperson, in doing so, we're fulfilling one of our constitutional mandates, which is to exercise oversight on the actions of the executive arm of the state. This we also did in order to make sure that we deal decisively with triple challenges, poverty, inequality, and unemployment. And indeed, if the capacity of the state is diminished, there's no way we can hope to deal with these triple challenges that we have not been breaking down from since time immemorial. It was not lost to us when we visited different provinces that South Africa still remain one of the most unequal societies in the world. The poorest of the poor are mostly Africans and reside in rural areas where the provision of services is work in progress. Not only is it work in progress, Chair, but it's also a revolving door where upon one department it's offset by some kind of setbacks. One has the recent floods in mind, which has reversed all the gains that were made in the past years. Rural communities have been badly affected and the urban counterparts have moved many steps forward in rebuilding their lives. Chairperson, we set off to assess the capacity of the state to deliver services to communities with different provinces, assuming different themes. This was different approach to those that we have used in past engagements. This we did fully cognizant of the fact that South Africa is not one size fits all state. Different communities in different provinces have different problems that are only unique to them and they should be treated as such chain. We therefore had some themes looking at water and sanitation, electricity and infrastructure, small scale farmers, safety and security, and local development. I will, however, limit my debate to the provision of electricity and provincial transport and road infrastructure, as well as school infrastructure, as I seek to respond to the question whether these were responding to the needs of communities. Our observation is typical mixed bag chair, which is laced with more positives than negatives. Whereas we're satisfied with efforts that provincial government are putting towards ensuring that the roads are receiving the necessary upgrades, we're also of the view that more needs to be done, especially on ring roads that connect communities to the immediate nodal points of service. Even with the best of intentions, it will take government many years of planning and putting together the necessary resources to deal with the legacy of apartheid spatial planning. It is common cause that many rural communities inhabit impossible and rugged terrains that will require massive investment to catch up with urban segments, which have been better planned and executed. You do not have to look any further than communities on the outskirts of town to see that how devastating the effects of apartheid spatial planning have been. 
it has always been ivory and ebony with Africans receiving the short end of the stick. Towns are built on the labor of the black masses who ultimately have to revert to lives of hardship and poverty in villages. There is no incentive whatsoever to live in villages and townships as compared to towns and suburbs where services are in full supply. Chairperson, I can hear the opposition screaming, fix it, as they always do. That Chairperson is tantamount to arrogance of rich cousin who broke the bicycle of his poor relative and then refused to pay for his for its repairs. He constantly blames the poor cousin for owning a broken bicycle and for taking long to fix it. He derives pleasure in telling others what he could do with the bicycle should it be given to him without admitting that he is responsible to breaking the very same bicycle. Chairperson, spoke by spoke, pedal by pedal, were fixing the bicycle that our rich cousin have broken and refused to pay for its repairs. He constantly reminds us that the bicycle is ours, yet have not denied the fact that we acknowledge that the speed with which the repairs are being affected may not delight many, but we are making progress. It is, in our view, progress to know where exactly the challenges are. Through the provincial weeks that we have undertaken in the past year, we have been able to identify weak spots, some of which have already been attended to. This past one is not an exception. We have witnessed what is being done, and we know what still needs to be done. We have witnessed road rehabilitation progress that seek to fix the R32 between Hraskrop and Bruch-Pakrish, as well as the Panorama Road, which are by farm Pumalanga's most famous tourism corridors. Once completed, this project will boost tourism, which has taken a knock due to the ravages of the COVID-19 pandemic. Chairperson, we also had an eye on whether provinces are able to provide safe and reliable scholar transport in rural areas. And the report that we should give, you, you provide some form of comfort in Pumalanga, for instance. Scholar transport has since been moved from Department of Education to Department of Public Works and Road Transport. This happened in 2009 already when the service level agreement was entered and between the two departments, allowing the role of responsibilities of each party. Following the service level agreement, a provincial scholar transport policy was developed with a monitoring firm appointed to monitor scholar transport services. Scholar patrol teams are dispatched on all roads to ensure that buses ferrying learners meet the required safety standards. They are also there to ensure there are no overloads on scholar transport. Whereas, Chairperson, bus operators took us into their confidence to indicate that there have been instances of overloading. These are being attended to. The challenges were caused on the main by the variances in the numbers provided to the service providers by the department and the actual number of learners showing up at pickup points. Needless to say, Chair, the service providers has felt obliged not to leave any learner stranded on the side of the road. As indicated, we have been assured that these gaps are being closed and we have no reason to believe that scholar transport provision is unsafe and unreliable. 
The numbers speak for themselves. We have not had any report of major incident involving scholar transport. And that what we wish to commend all stakeholders as we implore them never to drop the ball. One life lost on our roads is one too many, and it definitely cannot be our learners. We are on cause to eliminate the use of parkies as means to transport learners. It's sudden us that there are some schools in some parts of the country which do not benefit from the provision of scholar transport. The reason provided range from rugged to the vastness of terrain to other administrative bottlenecks, which we wish to change should we clear it effectively and immediately. Chairperson, it is easy to determine how future of our country will be, like by merely evaluating the extent to which it invests into school infrastructure in both rural and township school. We can safely report that the future of South Africa is bright, even though the brightness needs consistent polishing. There's a huge rollout of editorial classroom and few schools being built or in the planning phase in Pumalanga. The provincial government is also providing mobile classes where they are required to alleviate short-term problems, overcrowding, and general shortages of classroom. Chairperson, however, their school will still need require assistance, such as Lundini Primary School in Eastern Cape. The school was built, thought the efforts of the community without an assistance from the government. It is still a mad school, and we all require that this school cannot be allowed to exist in the current form. The pit letters which are there cannot even accommodate the number of learners and teachers. There is also the case of Mwati Secondary School, also in the Eastern Cape, which has got an enrollment of 933 learners, which only 10 teachers and 15 classrooms. The school has no principal and no GPD principal. This makes running the school a near impossible task. Such anomalies manifest in lower metric price rate at the end of the year, with the trend normally favoring Western Cape, Gauteng, and Wazulu Natal, who consistently post higher pass rates. We do not know, we do note, Chair, Free State has been backing the trend in the past few years. Chairperson, provision offense resort to rationalization as a means to deal with assess, assortment of challenges such as lower number of learners in school and in other cases, lack of classroom. Where we have advised that in the event where rationalization need to be implemented, consultation need to be thorough. We noted the discomfort which was caused by the announcement of the regionalization of Nduma Primary School in the Pushpakrish area. One stance remains that indeed the voice of the community has to be heard and considered before any serious decision can be taken. Chairperson, there are however two reasons, uh, challenges that state is confronted with even as it positions itself to meet the needs of committees. From 2008, the provision of electricity has been a major impediment towards delivery of services in some provinces like the one of ours and the provision of water chairperson and the issue of illegal connections which contribute to the challenge of electricity supply. South Africa needs to stand together and claim responsibility for some of the things that cause instability 
to the energy supply. We've seen communication service and internet connectivity being disrupted, needing to major breakdown in services that are offered in hospital, home affairs offices, traffic department offices, and other aspects of community life. These underscores the agency that is required to deal with challenges, which are currently facing ISCOM. We are, however, secured in the hope that the Minister of Finance, Public Enterprise, and the Minister of Mineral Resources are doing everything they can to fist the entity. The other challenge relates to budget constraint share, which affects the speed with which repairs and maintenance could be affected on road, school, police station, and hospital. All at once, South Africa economy is not growing fast enough to attend to the challenges, as we all know. Budget cuts are not only unique to the executive. Even Parliament has its budget being cut, and this may have a negative impact on how we fulfill our mandate. Our budgets are becoming something of short blankets where you can only cover the head while the feet remain exposed or vice versa. The economy needs to grow faster than the current levels with a lot of foreign direct investment required. It takes us back to our overarching observation. The editor general latest report on the latest of municipal finances points to the going for forward, the NSOP is going to have to focus committee work far more on departments and entities and achieving the quality of expenditure that results in the type and impact of the uh, 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 people's life. In conclusion, Chair, despite all these challenges, <laughs> we have good. confidence to declare that the state capacity is still reasonably sound to make meaningful intervention in our communities. I thank you, Tate Masondo, Chairperson. Thank you very much. We'll now proceed to Honorable F. Bese from the Eastern Cape. Honorable Bese. Greetings to you, Honorable Chair and Dr. Masondo. Your established protocol is observed, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Uh, I'm presenting the report uh, that is findings and recommendations of the NSOP during the, the provincial visit, uh, provincial week in the Eastern Cape. First and foremost, let me zoom in to the issue of uh, the Abambo cannabis farm, which is based in Port St. John's. The issue of licensing and permits be fast-tracked by the Department of Road Development Agrarian Reform. The department through Eastern Cape Road Development Agency is working with the DERA to facilitate issues, issuing of hemp permits. Some farmers who applied in November 2021 have already received their permits. Others are asked to submit the outstanding documents that will make them to be eligible for hemp, for hemp permits. The DERA opened that, uh, that farmers can submit their applications forms for hemp permits for the cropping season of 2023-2024. This follows closing of the application process in March 2022 for those farmers who are interested to produce hemp in the cropping season of 2022-2023. The Eastern Cape Royal Development Agency is facilitating the application process and is assisting farmers with information and the application requirements. 
Uh, again, government departments must assist with funding to grow the farms and create jobs. Uh, Dr. Tai has, has a budget of 10 million for cannabis this year. The department will also leverage funding from interested investors to assist the farmers to grow their, product, their production and to create jobs in the cannabis farms or cannabis projects. The recommendation that the, that the issue related to harassment by South African police services be escalated to relevant portfolios in the Eastern Cape legislature, MSC for Safety and Lizy and the Premier should uh, look to that issue of, of, of the issue of uh, harassment of the, of the SAPS uh, police. Yes. Number two, farmers are assisted to apply for hemp permits and are encouraged by only, pro- by only to produce hemp once they have the hemp permits. Regulation of cannabis production is, in, is a national mandate done by Delrat and, and SAPRA, that is medicinal cannabis. Uh, number three, security development, development and PTY LTD. The delegation recommended that in the process of providing support to farmers, the relevant departments should not interfere with methods of farming the cannabis. In this regard, it was pointed out that indigenous knowledge on methods of growing the cannabis should be preserved. The recommendations against share is noted that cannabis producers are most of the time advised on the principles of increasing production in the sustainable manner. Uh, cannabis farm. Delegates recommended that in the Department of Agriculture and Land Reform to assist the emerging farmers with processing to attain permits to grow cannabis as this may unlock funding for them. The Department of Road and Agrarian Reform through Eastern Cape Road Agency is working very close with the DELRAD to facilitate the issue of hemp permits. To this end, some hemp permits which were applied for prior to March 2022 have already been issued. The ECRDA is also assisting farmers and facilitating their hemp permit application to ensure they meet the closing date of March 2023. In respect of water usage and scarcity, the delegation recommended that over and above the intervention to supply the farmers with water tanks, farmers must also train in, in permaculture system of preserving water for, for gardens. The recommendation is, is noted. Uh, the department has seven, has got uh, program seven, structured and training. Program seven is part of Eastern Cape Cannabis Industry Development Strategy team. They will be asked to facilitate training on these farming practices that conserve water and soil. In the past two years, some of the radio talks were emphatic on the best practices of water and soil conservation like the proposed ones. The the delegates also recommended that farmers be assisted with fencing as this might have negative effect on their production. One of the requirements when a farmer is applying for hemp permit is is a well-fenced land. The department uh, fences lands for those farmers who applied for fencing and they have been screened through the department screening processes. 
that their farming is, is their farming enterprise have economic benefit and create jobs. Uh, relevant departments at the local municipality were requested to prioritize cannabis growers as this is one of the priorities of government, as mentioned in the state of the national address by the president. Dr. Dow works, works with other partners, well, partners or strategic partners, national and provincial departments. Uh, and local municipalities and traditional leaders to develop the cannabis industry in the province. Or I'm telling, now I'm getting to general recommendations by the Eastern Cape delegations. Uh, commitments to cannabis and health enterprises. The delegates asked the Eastern Cape province, the provincial government, to be serious about commercialization of cannabis and hemp and pleaded for implementation of SONA, SOPA, and the Dr. Da 2021 policy speech pertaining to cannabis and hemp. The delegation also pleaded with Eastern Cape government to ensure involvement of economic cluster, of cluster departments to be stakeholders on cannabis and hemp enterprises. The department is learning from the experience of the past and is sharpening the management of the industry. An increase of budget from 4.5 million to 10 million will facilitate more support to the farmers and more initiative. The department will, will continue to request the provincial treasurer that when additional funds are available, it must be prioritized the business plan that was submitted for additional cannabis funding. The, the additional cannabis funding will assist with the establishment of the incubators the province is is implementing currently. It will also assist in leveraging more funds from investors. Eastern Cape government assist cannabis initiative that are presented and recommended and approved by the by, by authorizing structures of the province, including the economic development cluster. However, Honorable Chair, I tabled the report for their adoption by the House. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you very much. Uh... Uh, they keep on uh, muting me there. Uh, there's someone at, at the table there who keeps on uh, muting me. It creates some some problems. Now, thank you very much. We'll now move to Honorable Ryder. Uh, but as we do so, I now hand over the uh, chairing of uh, this part of uh, the program uh, to Honorable uh, Nguyen. Uh, Honorable Ryder. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Provincial Week is a chance for members of this House to fulfill our mandate as, as elective representatives. It's a program that has run for many years now, and so the poor arrangements this time around were experienced with considerable disappointment. As a principle, respect for each of the three spheres of government underpins cooperative governance. But the last-minute arrangements for the Provincial Week meant that the premiers, MECs, mayors and councillors were already committed in many instances, and we found ourselves meeting with the, rep, without the representatives 
from other spheres. Indignation was voiced in several provinces. Yet, what can we expect? Our lack of respect, demonstrated in the last-minute arrangements, got its deserved response. Noting the municipal finance cycle and the fact that Provincial Week was scheduled in the same week that municipal councils are required to meet to pass their annual budgets, it's no wonder that mayors and MMCs were not present to meet with us. Imagine a whole council of provinces with no understanding of the provinces of a sphere of government that we are tasked with enabling. But do not say that you were not warned. There was a lone voice in the WIPs meeting that drew attention to this ahead of time. Uh, but of course, that voice was ignored because it's a DA voice from the Western Cape. Warza 2024. Let's look at some of the arrangements that we had. The Eastern Cape oversight was split into two groups. That's in spite of the fact that only three MPs participated, partly because Mr. Nkiva had much nicer functions to attend in Cape Town where his royal-sized ego could be stroked. Rushing around and making it up as we went along was the description of the Eastern Cape Provincial Week. In the Northwest, a similar farce unfolded, also with only three of the six members in attendance. Though here it seemed more like malicious intentions than just incompetence that derailed the oversight. The delegation was taken to Patrice Motsepe's farm to see a private renewal energy project, far from where the focus should be in this dysfunctional province. Interactions with the provincial officials, when they did happen, showed a lack of certainty as to whether the province was still under Section 100 administration or not. Wow. Promises of imminent project launches ring hollow as nothing has happened three months later. But let me focus on what we saw in the Gauteng province. An extra day was added at the start of the program to focus on the disastrous state of hospitals in Gauteng. Not because it fitted with a the theme, but because of absolute necessity. What was witnessed there was low staff morale, staff and equipment shortages, failed projects with no clear recovery plans, and buildings that have been allowed to decay to a point where they are a safety hazard. The lack of management is just proof that the NHI is doomed to failure under this administration due to poor management at implementation level. Then we turn to the land invasions and the informal settlements in the south of Gauteng, which started as an ANC project to secure electoral wins. But then it obviously found fertile ground driven by the population growth in an area established in the forced removals of the 60s and 70s, which this government has failed to fairly address with their housing programs. The need has been exacerbated by the in-migration from neighboring countries and also from desperate people fleeing the hopelessness of other provinces. But the EFF then hijacked the land invasion project, ably assisted by Herman Mashaba. Yes, that's one of the reasons he lost the support of his caucus. But control has now been totally lost and now the land invasion project is run by gangs of criminals. The land grabs are well-coordinated and well-supported. Gangsters used to sell the stands, which don't belong to them, for 3,500 rand each. Now the price is up to 3,800, with the extra 300 rand going to legal fees. Why do you think that is? It's because the PI Act, the Prevention of Illegal Evictions, a well-intentioned act, has become the most abused piece of legislation on the statute books. Add to that the unwarranted protection that the disastrous lockdown regulations gave the land grabbers, 
and you have a problem of a magnitude that is simply staggering. An unfunded mandate pushed down on provinces and municipalities to follow court processes, evict and remove land grabbers, and then provide them with alternative accommodation regardless of the circumstances. The DA will be tabling a private member's bill to amend the Pi Act to ensure that it protects all in South Africa, be they tenants or landowners, and ensure that the spirit of the law is upheld and justice is the end result. One of the primary issues with land grabs is the detrimental effect on social cohesion. As grabbers move into areas affecting property values and sales due to perceptions of higher crime and safety concerns, the formerly settled community is heavily impacted. The infrastructural capacity designed for planned loads is then placed under tremendous strain as unplanned loading of two or three times the design capacity causes infrastructural breakdown, causing electricity outages, water supply problems, traffic congestion and safety concern, not to mention the demands on local government services such as and, and other services such as clinics, police stations and schools. The result is conflict and resentment. A site visit to the Sebokeng Wastewater Treatment Works, the culprit for the Vol River pollution, was an eye-opener. Confusion between the operators and the user cities as to the capacity of their plant has delayed housing projects. But there's no plan to build more works, no new thinking, and the works managers too scared to go to site after dark. Which brings me to this report, which has been pushed through various provinces without following due process. While some provinces have indeed adopted the report, in Gauteng, a meeting was held to discuss a draft report. But the final report, comprising 7,800 words, contains 500 words that were not included in the document presented to us at that particular meeting. The Northwest's report, the Free State's report, and the Eastern Cape's report were never considered. And yet the consolidated report was pushed through the ATC and lies before us today. Delegation meetings are not happening as they should due to the arrogance of the ANC. Warza 2024. In closing, Chair, this report is something of a whitewash, with many of the correct observations noted, but with a sanitized version of the truth. The people on the ground know the truth, honorable members. We know the truth. Your sanitized reality may suit your political narrative as the ANC, but by producing a document such as this, you show the people of South Africa that their struggles are not acknowledged by you. The Democratic Alliance rejects this report. Warza 2024. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, honorable members. Uh, whilst uh, waiting for Honorable Nguenya, we will proceed. Uh, I think there's a, there's a bit of a problem there. We'll proceed. Uh, and as we proceed, we go to Honorable Dugwana. Uh, Honorable Dugwana. Please Thank proceed. you, Chairperson, Honorable Amos Masondo, Deputy Chairperson of the NCOP, Honorable Sylvia Lucas, 
Honorable Chief Whip Seiso Muhai, Chairperson of the, season, of the session, members of the National Council of Provinces, provincial delegates, distinguished guests, and ladies and gentlemen, over nine years ago, the former U.S. President Barack Obama famously said, I quote, we know that people's frustrations run deeper than those than these most recent political battles. Their frustration is rooted in their own daily battles to make ends meet, to pay for college, buy a home, save for retirement. It's rooted in the nagging sense that no matter how hard they work, the deck is stuck against them. And it is rooted in the fear that their kids won't be better off than they were on code. We gather here today on this platform of Parliament to debate the Provincial Week held, held from 29 March to uh, 1st April 2022, which has appropriately been themed assessing state capacity to respond to the needs of communities. The Free State uh, Delegation focused on provision of water and sanitation infrastructure. It visited water and sanitation projects as well as water reticulation sites and special economic zones. Whilst as we're dealing with all these issues, we also want to indicate that the state capacity must never be understood mechanically to embody theoretical postulations which have no basis in the everyday lived experiences of our people. It must be understood within the context of changing people's life for the better. The following broad and practical questions must come to mind when we discuss the state capacity in relation to responding to people's needs. Does the state reflect our values and commitment as enshrined in Matupele principles? Does every citizen stand a reasonable chance of attaining social, political, and economic achievement? Are we succeeding in building an inclusive economy where in every person has something to be proud of? Chairperson, we are indeed honored to join this important debate. Thank you very much. Um, maybe let's start. Do we have the agenda for the meeting, colleagues? Monique, I think you are the one who is assisting us in this process. I, I, there's a bit of a problem on what we're doing. He's muted and someone else is. We, uh, uh, if you can just muted. make sure that uh, the people there in the background, uh, Honorable Lucas uh, and whoever is with you there, uh, uh, please uh, ensure that there are not disturbances. Uh, Honorable Lukwana, please proceed. <laughs> Can we get back to the house, please? Uh, Honorable Dukwana, please proceed. Dukwana, hmm? uh, if you can just go back a bit. people. Before you are where, where you are now. Please proceed. The opportunities for growth in small provinces has always been a subject of intense navigation and struggle 
The political significance of this reality was that of control and domination. Our only value have been that of supplying cheap labor reserve for big cities. Otherwise, there is very little reason why the Free State Province is not counted among the most viable provinces in South Africa, particularly if you consider that we are the only province that is adjoined to six provinces. It is precisely for these reasons that our province remains rural with an economic base that is extremely thin and scant. This means government has very little resources to provide services to communities and in turn communities that can afford, that cannot afford to pay for services. Secondly, the challenges faced by our municipalities are self-cost because of the past 10 years during which some people repurposed public resources meant for the poor masses of our people to benefit themselves and a few business interests. In our particular case, large sums of money were diverted from service delivery initiatives and surrendered directly into the hands of individuals. This has affected capacity of our municipality to act on behalf of the people, particularly the poor. No wonder we, we also, as the province, having uh, gone through the audit process, the Auditor General has continued to emphasize lack of accountability as a, uh, that results in pervasive non-compliance, especially relating to procurement and deteriorating financial help. But as the free state, we are committed and we have demonstrated our resolve uh, uh, under the leadership and the stewardship of the Premier, Sisin Dombela, and the, the courage to set the proper tone of leadership and effective consequence management to ensure accountability and efficient use of the limited resources to effect quality service delivery. We have already activated this process, for instance, in areas such as Machadi, working together with various stakeholders, including especially the Department of Water and Sanitation, and the call for intervention is a process by which revenue collection is enhanced to enable municipality to service their account with service providers, including water boards. In this regard, we have established teams to assist municipality with revenue collection strategies. Furthermore, we will be intervening in instances where there are billing queries. Water boards will be engaged as well to zoom into challenges of arbitrary billing systems and penalty arrangement. We will also be insisting on strict adherence to various legislation, including Water Service Act, in the current period. When a challenge is prolonged, there usually begins to emerge resistance from sections that are mostly affected. We have started to experience a spate of service delivery protests across the province, a development which we have welcomed as a clear sign that it cannot be business as usual in local government. This, too, is how we handle matters in the ANC. We never run away from the challenges. We confront and transform them into opportunities. For a little over six months now, since we took over, there's been enthralling attention on the building of systems in local government. Our point of departure is that we are all created equal. We have a responsibility to secure equal opportunity for every citizen, regardless of their race or gender and class. 
We want to cultivate a culture of hard work where people are rewarded on merit. We have started with building blocks towards municipalities that respond to the challenge facing our communities. We're establishing good communication channels between municipalities and other spheres of government, as well as between municipalities and the communities they serve. We want to build municipalities that embrace public participation as a cornerstone in improving service delivery. We have noted all, all critical issues raised by honorable members of the NCOP and once again commit ourselves to ensuring that all municipalities that were well managed and administered, that they are clean, that they facilitate opportunities, and that they attract investment. This is all we need to invest in the dignity of our people. We are frankly not expected to perform magic as government. Our people only want to have access to clean water, food, health care, education, and housing. The unprecedented horrors of the past, which made the collective lived experience of our people unbearable, must end and shall be ended. In this regard, let me end by quoting President Cyril Ramaphosa when he said, we need a break from the past where departments worked in silos, fruitless expenditures on irrelevant projects was common and where development was not aligned to national objectives, unquote. The President said this to echo the importance of implementing one plans in order to attain an ethical and genuinely democratic developmental state. This is an ideal to which all of us should commit. I thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Thank you. Let me see. Uh, we, we will have to then move on to Honorable Dango. But before Honorable Dango takes over, let me just indicate that uh, I'll now hand over to Honorable uh, uh, Lucas. Honorable Dango. Thank you very much, Chairperson. And Chairperson, thank you very much for pulling in for me while I was in hospital in leading the delegation in Gauteng, uh, which you ably did. You created daily reports, you created the final report, and you facilitated the final report. And I'm assured by the um, administration that the reports are duly considered and adopted. But Chairperson, we need to look at the given conditions on the ground, particularly in the south. In the south of Johannesburg, in Region G particularly, we have poor people, poor people who come from other provinces and indeed from Africa, impacting on the health, on the, uh, on the question of the environment, on the question of the provision of services, whatever those services may be. And of course, this has led to negative equity in some instances, with various figures being banded about between 1 million and 1.5 million. I'm not too sure what the figure is. Unplanned settlements with poor, poor people. And what do poor people want most? Poor people want housing. They want water. They want storage. They want education and they want health services, etc. There's no army that's going to move those poor people. Not for the amount of people that are there. And we need to end the kind of endless legal processes that we're going through. We need to also be conscious that our constitution provides 
for um, making provision for social services to poor people and to all people in this country. Comrade uh, uh, David Makura, when he saw the situation uh, and encouraged that, and I see the same people of, of intelligence that tried to interrupt me the last time are trying to do so again. I appeal to them, uh, Chairperson, not to do so. Um, the Makura proposed a new city, and I think we need to encourage it. a new city that's clean, that's green, and has an economic hub, N- not a soulless uh, informal settlement. And that's why I call them unplanned settlements and not informal settlements. I think we need to move away from informal settlements, and these are, in fact, unplanned settlements that was not planned for. And the new town movement in the UK should give us some kind of examples. After the war in the United Kingdom, the Second World War, they built new cities, new cities such as Milton Keynes, where various classes of people moved in, various economic uh, uh, classes of people uh, shared uh, services, and neighborhoods that could actually facilitate the um, the creation of a economic hub. Let us build a new city that has got for the tailor, the cave, the, the candlestick maker, and the cobbler at the bottom, where they can live at the top and work at the bottom. Chairperson, we need to also make this new city a tourism hub. The location must needs to be determined by the by the province. And if I if I may say so, to extend the transport uh, system such as the Khao train, but not as a uh, concession, but as belonging to the province up to Fundabale Park, and also looking at what the Free State Province on the other side can offer to such a city so that we can uh, create a continuous kind of city going forward. We can use the water as a tourism um, attraction. Let us, as a collective lobby, a a collective from the Gauteng delegation here, lobby the Gauteng legislature, national legislature and the national ministry and the three state uh, province to look at what the possibilities are that we can go forward. We need to consult and involve all the stakeholders, those in the unplanned settlements, those in the surrounding communities, the business community, and importantly, the worker community. Now, in engaging with some of the worker communities around what we can do, they said, let's ask, encourage the Premier to go ahead with this new city that is across provincial, but also let us make sure that this one is a public service, that this one is driven by this public service commission and that this one is not going out to go to tender. Let us get people to work for the state. Uh, it was an innovative way for them to, to, to say these things, but I think uh, it's important that we actually do that. We can all be experts at finding faults. However, let us collectively become 
solution finders now. Uh, and I appeal to all um, in the in the Gauteng delegation, and I appeal, appeal to all within this council, let us find solutions to our problems. We can throw darts at each other. I mean, there is uh, now the possibility that they talk about their 2024 of a coalition government, a coalition government that has got new liberals in it, a coalition government that wants to throw every African out of the, out of Africa, never mind out of South Africa, a coalition government that in fact wants to go ahead and, and is in so right wing uh, that it can't uh, do anything else. A coalition government that's a pincer movement now between the right-wing liberals and the left-wing ENF coming together. Their only purpose, they in fact, they have no agenda. Their only agenda is to remove the ANC. Now, that I think is not a principled position. It's not a position that is looking forward. And my appeal is to, the, to all, let us look forward. Let us become the finders of solutions and not the finders of faults only. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Honorable Dangor. We continue with the debate and we call on Honorable Zandamela to continue with the debate. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, uh, Deputy Chair. Uh, I will request that I, speak, uh, I leave my video off because we just got load shedding here. It might I might encounter problems uh, in terms of the connection. Deputy Chairperson, Deputy Chair, you may continue. Okay. Deputy Chair, the, the state capacity has been an ongoing challenge since the advent of democracy across all provinces in South Africa. This is a concerning to note as a major social, economic, economical changes are only possible when the state is capable and has the capacity to implement policy. In instances where there is a lack of direction in terms of economic development. As the EFF, we therefore stand here today to advance the struggle for the development and building of state capacity across all provinces as enriched in the seven cardinal pillars of the EFF. As, as it is evident from the Provincial Week report that Ours is a country which is a, a dire need to resources, capabilities, which will enable the state to achieve in strategic goals. Ours is a country which lacks quality institutions and policies. And policies. We lack political framework which allows for change. Our challenges in provincial and local government are longstanding as there exists lack of capacity within the public sector in implementing public policies, which is why we continue to see no results in improving the performance of the state in providing economic change. To be sure, the South African state in its current form does not drive the economy or deliver service because, services because it has no capacity. Our unemployment rate is shocking, which, is, which in its own signifies a crisis. In the past year, we have witnessed political unrest and looting of stores in Wazulu Natal, which signal a failure of the state to deliver economic outcomes. 
Our people in, K in KZN live in fear as the province is the crime capital of, of this country, especially in categories such as gender-based violence, rape, and murder. There, uh, currently exists about 2,700 informal settlements in, 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 in South Africa, most of which are located on unstable land. Our people are without land across all provinces. We have noted the demand for land and for reform on housing delivery. More so after the, the, the flood disaster in, in Guazulu Natal and the Eastern The state must provide better services to all its people. It must build and maintain infrastructure and build an inspired, skilled, and well compensated workforce. Government needs to go big on the invest in, in, in interventions, as we have seen that time and time again that the invisible hand of the market has failed to generate growth and innovation. There is a need to bring the state back in, in building our country and creating employment opportunities rather than relying entirely on the market. The state must deliver houses, build roads, schools, hospitals, Deliver water and ensure that taxes are spent efficiently. The state must develop must develop policies which will create an environment where our people no longer live in fear. We need to urgently address the issue of capacity of our police stations in Wazulunata. We need to refurbish old and worn out police stations, establish gender-based violence desks, and clear all uh, uh, backlogs of firearms license application in Manguzi, in Nanda, Montlier, Bele, uh, police stations. We need a capable state which will clear the housing backlog, which affects millions of South Africans across all provinces, particularly those living with disabilities, military veterans, the elderly, Child headed uh, households. The and over 2 million housing, housing backlog in Gauteng province alone is a cause of a huge concern. We should, by all accounts, strive for state which will stand as a sharp power of policies. For, for a state needs to be bold and address societal issues, set concrete targets, invest in research and other innovation capabilities in order to benefit those living on the margins of the economy. However, the above reforms are difficult to achieve as in South Africa as there exist a number of challenges which undermine state capacity. The greatest challenge has to do with leadership. Our country lacks ethical leadership under leadership of this ruling party. We need leadership which has conviction and agency to tackle policy legislative challenges which stand in the way of, of change. For the state has to be well positioned in leading institutional failures at the municipal level, in service delivery at provincial level and national level, which have undermined the ability of the state to deliver on its developmental mandate. As, the, as where there is corruption, there is also diverting of resources from the poor, those who need it the most, to projects uh, that are supported by the ruling party. There need to be uh, effective 
digitalization of the state capacity, especially in terms of state-owned enterprises. South Africa has about 7,000, seven, I'm uh, sorry, 700 SOEs. Most significant of these are, uh, are not more than 20. The failure of the state has led to the, ar the arguing of their privatization, which is flawed idea as the private sector has no obligation to develop South Africa, but is motivated to bleed us dry of our resources. Our key institutions such as ESCOM, DINEL, SAA, all face crisis due to mismanagement and poor government, lack of maintenance of its infrastructure. As the EFF, we have long proposed that provincial and local government and all state-owned companies must abolish tenders and in-source workers on a full-time basis, as we shall continue to advocate for such. Tibichapasin, when it's strong institutions, get towards government's plans rather than inventing new ones. Policies are, are poorly implemented. We need growth and enhancing policies that promote greater participation of SMMEs uh, in the economy. Thank you, Deputy Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Zandamela. We will now call on the Honorable TSC Dodovo to continue with the debate. Dodovo. Deputy Chairperson of the Recording NCOP, stopped. Recording in progress. Chief Whip of the NCOP, Honorable Mohai, permanent and special delegates. Let me start by pointing out that the vision of a capable, ethical, and developmental state is articulated in our national development, development plan. This is described as an active state that has the capacity to provide direction to both market-based and non-market-based stakeholders and to mobilize them towards a developmental agenda to resolve the triple challenges of poverty, unemployment, and inequalities. The developmental state is firmly rooted in the realities of a mixed economy, where the state on the one hand provides high quality services to all citizens of this country, while on the other hand, it provides a regulatory framework that protects against excesses of the markets, encourage investment in productive sectors, and foster inclusive economic growth. The program of the ANC government, therefore, Honorable Chair, in the medium term is aimed at making strides to achieve the developmental state by 2030, as, as encapsulated in our National Development Plan. Whilst we have made significant strides in the transformation of our society from the ruins of colonial apartheid towards a non-racial, non-sexist, and a democratic and just society, we also recognize that the task of building capabilities and a developmental state has been the most daunting and the, at the local sphere of government. Local government transformation, therefore, remains complex, difficult, and protracted to realize. 
we have not yet achieved the vision we set in the 1998 white paper on local government, where we expressed in no uncertain terms that the constitutional mandate of local government included creating and sustaining integrated, humane, equitable, and viable cities and towns within the framework of cooperative governance. The white paper called for the fundamental transformation and redesign of local government so that it was adequately equipped to fulfill its developmental mandate within the paradigm of democratic and inclusive growth and development. It also alluded to the legislative and institutional frameworks needed to give effect to our vision of a developmental local government. The main task, therefore, Honorable Chair, is to bring new capabilities, is to bring in new attitudes, but equally is to bring new approaches which will strengthen relations between the municipal councils, administrators, the management, and the workforce, as well as to strengthen relations with service users and all other relevant stakeholders at the local sphere of government. Honorable Deputy Chairperson, the State of Local Government Report that was released in July 2021 highlighted some of the key challenges confronting our municipalities. This includes the political administrative interface, poor governance, financial mismanagement, and poor service delivery. This report revealed that 64 municipalities were in a dysfunctional state, suffering from one or multiple of these challenges. Out of the 30 municipalities which were placed under Section 139 intervention in terms of the Constitution, it demonstrates that the challenges must be accomplished as a matter of agency. Subsequently, Honorable Deputy Chair, we have seen Section 139.7 intervention in Mangau Metropolitan Municipality Inok Mukejima local municipality, as well as Nikwa local municipality. This, this was unprecedented intervention by, by cabinet because of the nature and the, and the type of challenges that are confronting these three municipalities. The Auditor General also released the 2020-2021 MFA report, which reflects on the audit outcomes of municipalities over the five-year term of previous local government administrations. And an observation is made that the previous term of local government, namely 2016 until 2021, left municipalities in a worse financial position than, they, than when they took office at the time. The AG further says that his report presents a not-to-be-missed opportunity for the new administration to address the already reported audit findings. The issues of the lack of human resource, 
identified in the 2019-2020 report titled, I quote, not enough and yet not the right hands at the team. And those of political and administrative leadership in which there was a call to address the challenges in respect of ensuring that there's ethical and accountable leadership that must drive change at municipal level. It is encouraging to see that there is a light. It is encouraging that there is a light at the end of the tunnel with a slight increase in the number of clean audits where 27 municipalities were able to maintain their clean audit status, 14 achieved a clean audit for the first time, and six unfortunately lost their clean audit status. However, clean audit outcomes, Honorable Deputy Chairperson, continues to represent less than a fifth of local government budget, which is a major concern that must be given the necessary attention. We are also encouraged by the fact that the Auditor General is utilizing the new powers added in the Public Audit Act of 2019 by issuing material irregularities to eliminate financial risks and recover potential losses. Since the addition of the new powers in the Public Audit Act of 2019, we have seen a significant decline in irregular and fruitless expenditure. Since the 2020 NCOP Provincial Week that we held in March, the ANC, as the ANC, we have used political oversight to encourage municipalities to be responsive to audit opinion. And one of the issues we have taken up with the municipalities is the reliance on consultants for audit purposes. We have called for the employment of capable human resources in finance and audit departments. This, in our respective view, will avoid wasteful expenditure resources and resources can be redirected to service delivery. We will be intensifying our efforts in the free state and the Northwest provinces which have the worst performing municipalities across the country. Coming to the Northwest, Honorable Deputy Chairperson, we noted the fact that this province was placed under Section 100, where certain departments were, where interventions were made in certain departments. This was quite important because of the deteriorating situation that was obtained in those municipalities, in those municipalities and the provinces. There was a crisis in respect of human resource management, in respect of the financial expenditure patterns of the departments. There was a crisis in terms of the schools where the schools were disrupted. The health facilities were also in chaotic situation. And all of this perpetuated the crisis that is founded at municipal level. We were there ourselves. We were there and we can report proudly that we see what I call a modicum of, of encouraging possibilities. We see a convergence in terms of the work led by Premier Bushima Ape, who has taken the bull by his horn. Premier Bushima Ape is doing whatever that he can, can to galvanize and rejuvenate the province. 
and we need to really encourage, support his efforts to ensure that not only that he abuse corruption and all its manifestations, but he works very hard to ensure that there is stability, there is progress, and there is tranquility, if, it, if I may put it that way, in, 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 in the Northwest province. This is quite important because this is a province that was facing a number of problems, and in our respective view, we think that they are going to be addressed, giving the vigor, the energy, the zest, and the zeal that the current leadership of the province is having. And that, from our point of view, is encouraged, it must be taken forward to the majestic height of glory and success. Honorable Deputy Chairperson, the provision of services by the, by the developmental state, in addition to servicing the needs of the citizens, is also an investment in the economy of those particular cities in terms of what they need to do to address the challenges that are facing uh, municipalities, but also to ensure that we encourage private sector investment that must follow to ensure that we improve the social and economic infrastructure where it is needed, especially making sure that the necessary investments are made in building of schools, of hospitals, and other infrastructure uh, development, which in a way would have positive spin-offs from an economic point of view and from a social point of view, both in a medium term as well as in the long term. And as the ANC, we are saying, we, we, we are concerned at the same time, Honorable Chair, by some of the problems that seem to be uh, inherent in, in some of the municipalities, especially in municipalities such as Malutia Pofu, Dichoboata in the Northwest, Tuayi, where people still walk long distances to access drinking clean water, and sometimes they go for days without having water at all uh, flowing from their taps. And we say that this situation is unacceptable 28 years after our, our, the, the dawn of our democratic dispensation. We must do everything within our power to address that, and we are quite happy that this is a matter that uh, the leadership of the Northwest province under Premier Bushimape is, is attending to. We will be looking and watching the developments as they unfold and where there are problems and, and, and challenges, we will expect that interventions must be made to ameliorate the situation. I'm saying this, Honorable Chair, because the challenges of water and sanitation in our view can best be addressed through the district development model which has been successfully piloted in three municipalities. We all know those municipalities by now. That is uh, Ouartambo, that is uh, Tequini, as well as the Water Board or Water Bank District Municipality. And in our view, this must be attended to as a matter of agency. But we are also saying that there are issues that must be attended to, especially in the Etequini Metropolitan Municipality, given the fact that this municipality was ravaged by the, by the flood disasters that the country experienced in, in April this year. This municipality must be helped so that the people of that particular area yeah, get the necessary opportunities uh, taking these particular processes forward. But we are also saying that uh, not all is lost because we see some progress in respect of the Tequini municipality. For example, the, the, the yielding of tangible benefits that we see in respect of the catalytic project 
such as the Rivertown precinct upgrade, the Dube Trade port, and the Kato Ridge dry port. The building of the dry port requires through Sabral to construct a new interchange on entry. And in our view, if this is done properly, it will allow for the dry port to be built, but it will also unlock substantial industrial land potentials that will support the industrial industrialization objectives of the national, in terms of the national economic reconstruction and development plan. We can listen to what the opposition is saying. They always lament, they always waffle and prevaricate in our view. They do not provide a substantive solution to the many of the problems that are facing our country. And my respective view, Honorable Chair, is that we must stand up and rise uh, from where we are and bring solutions and not enjoy just criticizing as if we are looking for votes. It's not time for votes. It's the time to rebuild and reconstruct our country. And we must do so in a way that will fundamentally change the lives of our people. On that particular way, we think that the state capacity must be strengthened in order to achieve the developmental objectives of our society, Honorable Deputy Chairperson. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honorable Dadovo. We will continue with the debate, and we will now call on Honorable Slomuka from KwaZulu-Natal to continue with the debate. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm not sure if you can see me. We can't. No. We can't see you. No. We, you've, uh, there is something wrong with your screen or something. But uh, you can is try to address it. Yeah, there you are. You may continue. Is now Is it now clear? You are visible or whatever, so you can continue. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, greetings to you, to you uh, Deputy Chair, all honorable members of this uh, August uh, House, uh, MECs present, and fellow South Africans. Chair, it is, it is really a great honor to address this August House as we debate the report of the Provincial Week, which was held on the 29th March uh, to the 1st of April 2022, under the theme Open Code Assessing the State Capacity to Respond to the Needs of the Community and Those Codes. <clears throat> it is important that in the visit, the members of this house visited and delivery points across the country in order to assess the state and the functionality of those service points. It is important that members the freedom to Take you back that uh, the Freedom uh, Charter, which was adopted at the Real Congress of the People at Cape Town on the 26th of June 1955, declared that our country will never be prosperous or free until our people live in a brotherhood and enjoying equal rights and opportunities. So it is important that we draw our lesson from uh, the, the meeting that took place in 1995 because we must learn from the, from the past. And then and today we are gathering to debate the important issue that emanate from this uh, a code that I already indicated, which called for South Africans 
to enjoy equal rights and opportunities. The issue of access to basic services is one that all governments across the world agree that it is a human rights issue, not only in South Africa, but across the world. On the 28th of July, 2010, though the resolution of 2092, the United Nations General Assembly explicitly recognized human rights to water and sanitation and acknowledged that the clean drinking water and sanitation are essential to the preservation of all human rights and the resolution call upon the states and international organizations to provide financial resources which will help uh, capacity building and technology transfer to help countries, in particular developing countries, to provide safe, clean, accessible and affordable drinking water and sanitation for all. It is important that I take the, the meeting that there is a, a duty for all spheres of government in this country to ensure that water and sanitation services are provided in a manner in which efficient and equitable and sustainable. All spheres of government must strive to provide water supply and, sanita- and, and sanitizing services sufficient for sustained and sustainable economic activity. On the chapter 13 term uh, of the National Development Plan, calls for a building a capable state, a thematic topic toward the building of a capital state are explicitly identified in the chapter 13, as already indicated. There are five headline issues that I'm going to outline in this debate. Uh, uh, One of it is the need to stabilize the political and administrative interface making the public service and local government career of choice, develop a technical and specialized professional skills, and improve relations between the three spheres of government. Uh, and the last one is clarity, the clarity, the objective and mandate of state-owned enter- enterprise. Having said that, uh, having said that, Jefferson, on the above issues are critical if we were able to build a state that is capable of responding to the needs of our people, because we are the government of, 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 of our people. It is our endeavors to respond to the needs of our communities. We have to be aware of the reality of climate. I think the honorable talk of the previous speaker spoke about the challenges that have happened in Guazulu Natal, about the disaster, the heavy rain that we have received with destroying uh, serious infrastructure in Guazulu in, in Natal, in particular at Tewini uh, Metro, and then make a number of people have been uh, suffering, and some of the um, uh, water infrastructure has been destroyed, which also compromised that. That means those people who are around uh, those towns or a metro are now not, they were not uh, re- uh, receiving a clean water from running pipe which uh, is important that we must also deal with the issue of climate change. As a a province in the month of April and May, as already indicated and the previous speaker has already alluded on, we witnessed uh, uh, serious floods which killed over 400 people and disrupted disrupted the supply of critical services such as water and sanitation, road and electricity. These floods are Reminder of the re- of the reality of climate, 
and the impact on uh, impact and it's on the developing uh, countries. According to the report by the United Nations, climate change is likely to increase uh, in areas uh, 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 that uh, like uh, South Africa, while uh, developing countries have contributed to the least to the problem, they bear and growth of impact of the climate change, which threatens to jeopardize many of the developmental gains that have already been achieved. There's already indicated there are a number of uh, gains that in the province of Wazulu-Natan, we've built a number of uh, uh, houses, uh, built uh, sanitation for our people, and ensure that our people that are receiving water and throw uh, 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 running uh, 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 pipe water. But as a short-term intervention, while we are uh, still busy uh, uh, restoring uh, water and trying to ensure that we give our people um, a running uh, water from the pipes, we we'll give them short-term short, short water because we can't allow our people to not uh, receive water. They are short-term and, and, and medium and also a, a long-term plan that we, ha- we have. Hence, we developed a, a provincial water master plan, which also talked to sanitation. We are now in the implementation of that plan, which guides us uh, uh, how to uh, uh, assist the municipality uh, in terms of uh, putting their grant on the areas of work that don't have uh, 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 water through the assessment or the research that was done uh, by the uh, specialists in developing the provincial water master plan. Uh, honorable members, the provincial uh, week revealed that they are a key team emerging in the province, and those as follows are water and sanitation, electricity, infrastructure, local economic development, and small-scale farmers and safety and security. All these teams require capable state in order to unlock their potential while also being uh, aware of the serious challenges that uh, we are faced with, especially about the climate change. In the process of Wazulu-Natal, the focus of the visit by the NCOP was on the capacity to fight against crime, including the state of police station in the township and rural areas and their resources because um, we are Guamashu, in particular, is the second uh, 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 township that have a high uh, rate of uh, crime in, in terms of the report that uh, was released by the Minister of, of Police. And during this visit, the delegation raised a concern about the central centralization of supply yes, you of supply chain management processes in the, in, in the south has impact negatively on the population. Uh, Chair, I want to um, conclude by saying the NTP proposed that raising the living standards to the minimized uh, required level will involve various mechanisms to ensure that we assist our people. And we're going to ensure that we work with all 54 municipalities in Guazulu-Natal to assist them to ensure that they fast track uh, providing a uh, basis to our people, which will include water and sanitation. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable MEC. We will continue with the debate, and we now call on Honorable Debrain to continue with the debate.
that this report is being considered in this house today, while a number of provinces still hasn't considered their final reports beforehand. I was hopeful that the provincial week and its purpose is to truly bring government to the people and include everyone from the public to local municipalities, stakeholders, and we as permanent delegates together to participate and identify the real issues on ground level. But the way that this report is being bulldozed through the steps clearly highlights the lack of political will to bring about the changes that our citizens so desperately need. In every province, we visited communities on ground level, communities that place their hopes and trust in us to better their circumstances, and surely they deserve a real effort from this house and not the manner in which this report is being handled. The <coughs> while visiting the water and sanitation treatment works in the Free State, I was shocked that we didn't come across a single functional wastewater treatment plant. Every site we visited was exactly the same story. A lack of infrastructure, the infrastructure, the existing infrastructure not being maintained, vandalism and security issues, etc., etc. But even more shocking was the lack of management and will by the municipalities. And I'm going to use the Mangoong Metro as a prime example of this. The management of the Mangoong Metro was so arrogant that they didn't even bother to show up at the site visits to accommodate our delegation and to explain the situation so that solutions could be discussed. They, rather, they were rather cowering their officers at the expense of the citizens that are being overcharged for these services. And this is a municipality that has been under administration since 2019, and that is currently under national administration. The Kopenong municipality, in the Kopenong municipality, there were cases where the officials didn't even know how to access the wastewater treatment works, never mind maintaining it. And this is a municipality that in most areas has been without water since February due to the debt of more than 500 million rand to bloom water, but at the same time not used, utilizing their boreholes to bring some relief to their communities. Here, the example of failures almost every municipality across the country are endless. And in most cases, this is not due to a lack of funding. It is due to a lack of management and political will by, by municipal officials. Officials that are being paid enormously high salaries while underperforming with no consequence management. And that is the real issue that this report is supposed to be addressing. It is, it is the responsibility of this House to not only bring the government to the people, but to ensure that people have access to a functional and honest local government where officials are doing the jobs they are being paid to do and being reprimanded if they don't. And that is supposed to be the purpose of the Provincial Week and this report. By just pushing this report through without going through all the necessary channels and inputs is an insult to our communities. And this house should be hanging its head in shame, to say the least. And we can't keep blaming the rich cousin, as the Honorable Nyambi has put it, when the poor cousin is mis misusing the funds given to him to fix his bicycle. The poor cousin will also have to start to admit his failures and take responsibility. Jay, the Freedom Front Plus will not support this report. Thank you. Honorable De Bruin, uh, we will now call on Honorable Sileko to continue with the debate. Good afternoon, Honorable Deputy Chairperson. Honorable Deputy Chairperson, Honorable Members. Honorable Deputy Chairperson, before I go to my speech, I need to remind Honorable Dodovu uh, what the AG says about Northwest just last week. 
the ages, when she talks about the Northwest, she talks about leadership instability. She talks about lack of, of accountability. She talks about general state of disarray and little to no service delivery. So Honorable Dodovo must stop lecturing the DA about solutions. Every time we are given a platform in this house, we give them solutions, but we're as men. So chairperson, I must express my appreciation to be part of the NCOP, the week-long oversight of the, of the state capacity to respond to community needs. I welcome the subsequent report that highlights key issues emanating from the provincial visits as well as the challenges alluded by the Honorable Birman, Mr. Ryder, and successes faced in various sectors. The report includes recommendations from the delegation and the NCOP, NCOP will monitor adherence to the timeframes by the responsible departments. Deputy Chairperson, we aimed to establish bounds to reduce poverty and inequality in accordance with the guiding principles as, guide, as, as captured in the NB, NDP, which I quote, no political democracy can survive and flourish if the masses of our people remain in poverty, I unquote. Attacking poverty and deprivation must be the first priority of a democratic government. And the report reveals that poverty, inequality, unemployment, and a poor economy continues to plague our community. The Provincial Week revealed that key themes emerges in provinces, namely water and sanitation, electricity and infrastructure, local economic development, small-scale farmers, and safety and security. Deputy Chairperson, these matters also applies to the Western Cape. We identified the provision of housing infrastructure, measures to address the housing backlog and the creation of integrated and sustainable human settlements as specific matters that impacts on this province. Based on the demographic realities, the various Western Cape municipalities and organs of provincial government will not be able to reduce the housing backlog. The population growth of the Western Cape is much higher than the funds available to comply with the housing need. In places such, such as Tiavatarklov, where I started to be a public rep, 56% of the population is indigent. This can be seen in the enormous growth of existing and relatively new informal settlements. The Western Cape challenges with housing intensified as a result of the invasion of state land and the housing needs that resulted from this. Against this need, the integrity of the housing register is compromised as people succeed in jumping the queue. The Western Cape government succeeded to implement a sustainable vision for housing based on the accelerated housing opportunities through the rapid release of land and service sites. The department adopted the hybrid model that ensures that grants are transferred to municipalities in accordance with their abilities to deliver, and this will ensure that grant funding will be spent in full. The department was able to absorb unspent funding from other provinces to accelerate projects 
in 21-22, other provinces who could not spend on their grants. The Western Cape spent their grants. Grants were split through the Informal Settlement Upgrade Partnership Grant. The department promoted the Finance Link Individual Subsidy Program for the first-time owners and reached an agreement with the National Housing Financing Corporation with respect to funding. The Department of Human Settlements utilized its own funds for the installation of toilets in the Western Cape to bring back its dignity. All metro and non-metro municipal housing demand databases are linked to ascertain the municipal needs per region. Other provincial successes include the reducing of title deed backlogs, the informal settlement support plan, support to Kiewatoskruf with the Destiny Farm project and military veterans. The municipality had to overcome substantial challenges to taste the successes of a functional housing approach. It had to deal with the lack of bulk infrastructure, procurement delays, poor contractor performances, protests, vandalism, theft and land invasions. The department provided 275 military veterans specification houses over the last five years, while other provinces are still struggling to give five. The province succeeded with the upgrading of and constructing of alternative building technologies. The department promoted matters of sustainability with regard to housing projects in the province by implementing energy efficiency technologies. As you visited several housing sites, the Conradi Better Living Model, the target market includes grant-funded housing and the open market housing, including the gap market and the total budget for the project amount of $3 billion. The new Woodlands housing project to upgrade the Kosovo informal settlements as a flagship development of the Department of Human Settlements Development Program and to ensure the construction of internal and bulk engineering services and the development of 134 housing opportunities for beneficiaries who qualify for assistance under the national housing subsidy. Encourage social housing in Belleville with the objective to implement a housing ladder model to allow people to move between different types of tenure in the same estate as their needs and lifestyle changes through a mixed income and mixed tenure residential development of 1,122 units that is comprises of 512 social housing units, 253 rental units, and 357 open market units. Adjunct the NCP oversight placed its finger on the policies of provinces and offers solutions and context to challenges. It must, however, be noted that the only reason the Western Cape had such a functional provincial week when other spheres of government had prior commitments is underpinned by the strong political will that is evident within the Western Cape. It was an honor to participate in the provincial week in the Western Cape. Cape Netnamay does this blow. Thank you very much. Thank you, Blowball. Oh, we continue with the debate. We now call an honorable leader. That is Continue with the debate. Global. You're out of order. Stormer, Stormer. Giabonga Segala Stalowam. Ocean Pegine. Mama. Giabonga Ucho Tola, Mama. Let it tuba. Loguma Hinayanya Yadenkulumum Pigiswano. Yadul Sugranam Sanche. And giving a letter, one common to Otamele, Lenkulumoyanam Sanje, 
ngokwenza ikhundla zabo ezehlukene kodwa ngokukhethekile izithunywa zaka kwaZulu Natal ezilapha kathi kwethu namhlanje hlalo ohlompekile ngaphambi kokuthi ngingene kwinkulumo yami ngicela ukulungisa la kumhlonisha urider othi wosa 20 24 kodwa kafuni njalo uphasisa isabelo sezimali neminyango kanyekanya nako konke ebese kuza nomhlonisha uthi brain asho naye ukuthi nje ayimali cha abayiphasisa ebese ke kuvala ngo-honorable uzandamele abahlale njalo bethi ukhongo lwasekenzi lutho njengobe phethe kodwa manje njengobe zami ukhongo lose ziphasiseni phela imali sikwazi ukuthi senzele ezi zinto ukuthi abantu bayithola hayi ke honorable usiliku uthi wena eh aba abantu ababe dignified usho kahle singisisa kulalela ke uba dignified kanjani abantu uma ungezwiphasisa ibudget yokuthi kwenzeke lento ufonde yenzeke abantwini asiyeke ni politic bakwethu abunomake ibasidinga lapha phansi wekani ujimani uzubophezele umbono wokungabandlululi ngobuzwe kananjalo ngobulili ukuze kwakhiwe umphakathi okwaziyo ukuthuthukisa wakhe futhi izingxenye zomphakathi ekwakheni nonithuthukisa umnotho nokuthi umphakathi uphephe izinhlelo zemiphakathi zokuphepha siyacela izehlakalo nemikhuba efufusayo kufanele siyigweme ngayo yonke indlela nokuxazulule izinkinga zabantu abantulayo hlalo wamobekekile ukungasebenzi nokungathuthukiswa kwemphakathi sekufakwe ohloneni lokuthuthukisa abantu futhi kufakiwe nasohlelweni ukukhulisa leyo mphakathi nokuthi ukhongolozi ukhathazekile ngokuhlondlobala kobugebengu obudlange obubhekiswe kubantu lesifazane kanye nezingane nokusetshenziswa futhi kwebudedengu botshwala nemidakamizwa yiyo lento eyenza ukuthi uhlondlobale izigebengu mphathi mphathi sihlalo wam ngesikhathi sokuhambele izifundazwe Tina ekwazulu Natal sasihlangene namalunga esishayamthetho sekwazulu Natal siwumbodamo sehlase nyunga kuwa wonke lama police station njengoba sasinikeziwe ukuthi kufana ukuthi sizozibhekela Tina noma isishayamthetho sase sisitshelile ngemibiko kodwa sathi Tina njengo NSOP asande sobheka ngempela ngalento yokuthi kwenzekeni kube seqhulwini ngempela ubugebengu okwenza kusobala ukuthi imiphakathi ihlaliswe lubhojozi yizigila mkhuba hlalo ngaphambili mhlazi intathu kujuni umphathiso wamaphoyisa wakhipha isibalo so eh, isibalo sika 1921 lonyaka lwezimali wasethi Naso na kumnyaka wezimali zika 2022 kumasingane kuya kumbasa lokhu waveza ukuthi isibali sonyuke nga 
ngamaphesente angashumashumi amabili namabili ngokuthi okungaphezulu kwezinkulungwane namakhulu amabili ayisikhombisa abantu uma kuqhathaniswa nekwata eledlule izifundazwe sakwazulu natal ugauteng kanye nentshona langakapha yizone ezaba nezibalo ezingaphezulu zamacala okumane ubulalwana kuwona kwazulu natal ezindaweni ezifana njengomlazi inanda nasepresis lai Yizona ezinzima kakhulu namacala aphezulu abalelwa emakhulwini amashumi ayisikhombisa namhlanu kanye nayishumi ayisikhombisa ngokulandelela futhi kuyathusa ukwenyuka kwamacala ngokuthunjwa kwezingane nabe sifazane Izibalo zobugebengu zikhombise ukuthi ikwazulu natali yona ehamba phambili ngezibalo ezizinkulungwane namakhulu ayisikhombisa namashumi amabili namabili okudlengula angu 726 kwalezigameko zenzeke endaweni zabahlali zenzeka naziphakathi ezikolweni Lokhu kwenza kubonakale ngokusobala ukuthi abantu besimame abaphephile kangakanani nokuthi isidingo esikhulu sokuthatha izinyathelo ngalo ukunqanda lokhu nokuthi izidingo sikhulu kakhulu ukuthi kuqiniswe ezokuphepha kulezo ndawo ukuze kuvikelwe abantu besifazane nezingane nokuthi isabelo mali asibe sikhulu kwaZulu Natal bakwethu njoba nazo ukuthi kudlangile futhi niyazi ukuthi kunamabhoda akhona amapolice stage aseduze wakhona aba nenkinga kakhulu ukuthi akwazi ukuthi abambe izigebengu ngesikhathi sokuvakashela isifundazwe sathola futhi ukuthi ezinye izikhungo zamaphoyisa azikho sesimeni sokukwazi ukuphakama nezinkinga zemiphakathi namasebenza kuyo nokuthi izinsiza zokusebenza azanele njengasemanguzi police station lasaqala khona sathola ukuthi abasebenzi abenele izimoto azenele amasela eqaluzela nje ayaphuma ayangena akwenze ukuba nepolice station yakhona eyakhiwa ngesikhathi sobandlululo ikude emphakathini kwaze kwathi lo hulumeni okhoyo wenza izinzame yokuthi kubekho amasatellite police stations azokwazi ukuthi abantu bakwazi ukuthi basezakale ngako yiko siqinisa ukuthi ulabuyo mala azibe khona ngoba esinye sikhale kube yizimoto zamaphoyisa ulijaka kanjani isele elihamba ngegrupa ngokusho isithethwa namhlanje ezogijima wena phoyisa umjaka ngeveni awukwazi ukwazi ukuthi umbambe eloso sigebengu leso ngako siyacela ukuthi bakwazi ukuthi banikezwe imoto eyifanele zokujaha lezigila mkhuba ezintshontsho imoto zize eqise ngilo kuzani ibhoda 
Slalonga Pambish, and ye into Esatoluguti, the corner is in Lagazona, so good is seven and a mapoisa. Amasipi elves pickles. Got a ink inga, Uguti, a aiko imade ened, so was good in a waiver cocuzel, Ugubaba was gooti, Mada ying enye, your gooti balus and obuke give dengu, obulap. Shonishwa. Eh, otandega yo, owen tu. Ugu zenza uguazi kukuluma. Uzwagale nga loku. Ugu bambisana nempagati yetu. Kubalege kakulu. Kubalege nga ngaguti. Agutine umbuso wetu. Yebo kona uzamini ugutine. Ugutu squads ugutu. Senze ama satellite stations. Ugutu abebantuini. Shalo wa mgizo balula nje. Gafishane. Um, Emin, I'm a police stations. Gentle, I kill a guy. Ganesses cuts over to Lulu. In police stations and Bazwan, and the Umkanya good. Ya Akiwa and the Weni, Zabam Shop, I'm a farmers. I'm a Dabam Yambenga was who figured a lap. Who told you to move your police station? Who give a gatar to normal four? Any police station, yes, a mutin, and a secret town. Naya Mogunjano, Yakelanje, Corner, Gubadabam Shop, Ugozabawas, Utibasifinagashe, Abantubagi to what Abanga was, Gudrafinele. Sipina seven a help maker, police station, between Pemoroy and Dandy. Naya no police station, Yenzelo Abam Shop at Pena. Tina squads, Guti, Sifenele, Laban Betavam Yamagion. Seven a lang lacked the police station between it and the Lady Smith, Naya Mogunjalo, Yayenze, Amafama, Abandaban Shop, Untom Yamagazu figure Lapo, Boba found the Akibele Ganinging. Sipina put seven a Kingsley police station near Blood River, Igayonage, in Iceberg. We are born and you put in your umdom yama la payan found the Akibelet said what three AM. Uguza was a figure up on Chambe and Bagomatina. Sipina seven at Charleston police station near Nomatin and Newcastle. Nayo Mogunjalo, Yaya Kalawana, Abam Shope, Ilap Abandabanga was a funeral. And there's a good one and do police station. And I chose the municipality. Oh, bona sutinayo, yaya kerebona, abam shope, ugutibona, babene excess vacateke, kotwa abadabam yama bibiko. Oh, gumnanti, no gushe, kulo huluenga kongolose, wagwas, uguti, umeseta tumbuso, enze, ama satellite stations. La bagete bazo gwazi, uguti, baye kona, uguza gwaz pela, bag. Masho is in Dosabo, Abakayagangazo. Loku Gufaga Pagati and Misebenzu, yes, and Pedro. Neso Lim. You go no gunyasitolili, Lapo, the visitor corner, Ugutugumela Bandabagiti, Uguze, Baguaz, Gutibazilimele, and now also my business about Fufusayo, Ama Pemit Ashashabe corner, who was a was a Pemutibaite Sele, is in Dosabo, who was in Jalo, Besha Bukebengoba, Baso was with Babenento, Abayenzayo. Chapesin, Saloam, 
segele stadu. Sangu mege la si komiti. Si shangene ne sham teto natal. Ensopi ugun ensopi ugut ubuke bengu. Bujonjo bele kakulu. Ikakulu kasi kubantu bespazane nesingani. Ilonto esa ikapela yoga kulu. Esbonu kutu kofane kutinge pela kwanti iswe. Abasebe za mapoisa. Kwanti iswe. Nesi moto za mapoisa. Kulugi iswe nesi. Ne, ne, ne infrastructure ya kona. Uguza kwaza ikapela kutabandu bawazu tibenzi. Kwa maya mapoisa kwa kunzi manuguti. Sitole indu ya ngasese. Ngoba wawuba onuguti nje, senoko ya kiwa, aziku imali, zoguti, zenze kusongili zinzintu. Noguti futi esa kupega ayuguti ema police stations, ambadwa, awana ayuga shesha gender-based um, violence desk. Lapo kebe sinusa ake kutike, sengati onke, angaba njala abenayo, awilelu kuzani. Uh, I police station, ese ninkinga, Yoku ngongo pala kwezi zila zinzinde. Msebe nzikanye nezi moto. Mesikalu kuti izi moto umangaba zepukile. Kungati magukume isondo. Kutate iminyaka, ngeminyake mibili kusafunele isondo. Kepa kufanele kuti lezi moto sesebe nzipagatini. Besikale uguti ingabi ucentral yongele ntenze kasi azuguti kunezi kone la izingane sifundela kona ama kone zanja. Bagwa azuguti laba abafundela ugukanda izimoto kunezo ndawo ama ipolistech eguzona zikandwe lapo gleo ndawo guzesheshe kwenzeke. Ngobo tonu uti ngempele ipaoti njeli lotwa guzo tata utri weeks wonke. Uguti kuhamba, uguti faka, ngoba ufana kuhuli mnyangu mningi. Kanti uguba beso kwazi uguti sikutuzeli mpagati yetu. Ibe nazo nezi nshaka. Ezo uguti kwazi uguti sikakashe inganzetu. Sikakashe ufutika na njali. Noso mapizisa banyani o mekeniki. Bagu wazi uguti bailungi selesu zini. Kepo ngeazi uguti konke loko vele vele. Segu sentileni uguti kwenzeke. Ngoba isikalo sizwa kele. Sagu wazi uguti saya ebantuini ulumenu wetu wasilandeli. Loku kongoloso akwenzayo. Akenzi ngoba ezikacha. Ezikaisa. Koko wenzela bonke abantu. Siyakela kubo bonke abante sinabo. Kubo bonko so politiki esinabo. Kesi politiki pansi bagwitu. Abantu bagiti basti inga. Sigu wazuti sibambisane. Sipasise nane pache deni wafunu kuipasise. Giabonga sagela stado. Wendu. Thank you very much. Honorable Bibi. Is the Honorable Harebe not present? If not, we will continue. Honorable Chairperson. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. You may continue. 
Um, Honourable Chairperson, I was not expecting. Um, nonetheless, I will um, take the opportunity. Honourable Chairperson, we are called to assess the state capacity in order to fulfill our mandate to respond to the needs of our communities. In order to effectively achieve this, we must, we must take stock of the position that we are in and reaffirm our commitments to a constitution which duty bounds us to the democratic citizenry. Under section 41 of our democratic constitution, we are required to ensure that all spheres of government must secure the well-being of the people of the Republic, provide effective, transparent, accountable, and coherent government for the Republic as a whole. The constitution in this regard is, is quite clear on the mandate of government and does not lend any of us the opportunity for ignorance. The scripts require that we are receptive to the people of the country whilst being held to a high standard of government that is deserving of our people. Honorable Chairperson, whilst we have clear direction of our mandate, our inability to grow rather than regress our economy, reduce the public dissatisfaction through displays of public protest to deliver basic services, recognize our shortcomings and work together is our greatest witness. Yet, <clears throat> When we read the reports of the Zondo Commission of Inquiry, we find ourselves in great contradiction of the principles. We as, parliaments, we as parliament have a responsibility through our constitutional obligations as above to indeed take actions again against those who have deviated from our constitutional commitments. The Zondo report showed, showed us that certain individuals of our country in fact, it despise our constitutional commitments and they do not care for the devastation left for the poorest people of our country. Chairperson, our people are left to their own devices and out of sheer frustration, we are experiencing severe sins of dissatisfaction. I refer to the sins of burning in Soweto this morning as people are totally frustrated with the inability to receive services and electricity. The July looting in KZN where the poor could not manage under severe lockdown restrictions while certain ministers were pocketing proceeds intended to reduce the burden on the poor. The high petrol prices which exceed the minimum wage of the labor class and the flooding in KZN which has seen an, which has seen an incredibly slow and unsympathetic response by government. But that's just what is currently circulating in the public domain. What about the, the report of the NCOP in assessing the capacity to fight crime in KZN? It is saddening to see that government's priority of providing safer environments is in a state of despair. Our police stations are in a desperate need of repair and maintenance. Police stations need to be vehicles that are fully capable of holding criminals but also safe spaces that are warm and inviting to traumatize victims, especially of gender-based violence. Colleagues, it is never my intention to criticize unconstructively. What has been said indicated that we need key emphasis on the consistency of our public institutions in order to build the steps towards a government that can meet the expectations of our communities. 
they deserve nothing less. I thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Hadebe. We will now call on the Honorable Mutswana from Northwest to continue with the debate. Honorable Mutswana. Honorable Mutswana. Honorable Motswana is not responding. We will then call on Honorable Aukam to continue with the debate. Honorable Aukam. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Honorable Chairperson, members of this house, uh, you are a bit quick on me. Let me just quickly get to my speech because I did not know that I had to speak now. Honorable Chairperson. I'm sorry, Honorable Aukam. No problem. The, the one that was supposed to speak before you didn't respond. No, so no problem, know. Honorable Chairperson. I can continue. Honorable Chairperson, I want to start off by thanking my colleague, Honorable Delmain Christians, as well as the members of the ANC, which includes yourself, Honorable Bartlett, and Honorable Moy Mung, who attended the Provincial Week for the good and collegial cooperation that we experienced during this Provincial Week that we had in the Northern Cape. It was, however, troublesome, Honorable Deputy Chairperson, that various mayors and speakers of some of the municipalities did not attend our meetings. As the Honorable Ryder said, this might have been due to the hasty and late arrangements that were made for this provincial week. It is, however, also important to mention that in several instances where they did not attend our meetings in the Northern Cape, we had to wait for hours for them to arrive. Their lack of respect for this House, House's delegation is testimony to the seriousness in which they approach the issues of their municipalities. In one instance, a mayor who confirmed that he will attend our meeting canceled on short notice due to him having to entertain the Deputy Minister of Correctional Services. Now, with all due respect, Honorable Deputy Chairperson, I think it is far more important for a mayor to attend our meeting where issues of his municipality is being discussed than for him to entertain the Deputy Minister of Correctional Services, a portfolio that has got absolutely nothing to do with his municipality. Honorable Deputy Chairperson, as you drive on one of the Northern Cape's main arterials between Kimberley, Koopmansfontein and Daniel Scale, wooden crosses bear testament to just how many lives have been lost on this road. This is no ordinary road. The R31 has become a monument of death. This issue was again raised by my colleague, Honorable Delmain Christians, during the Provincial Week. It was reported to us that the R31 between Kimberley and Barclay West, which is now flooded by sewage from the Goha sewer plant, was repaired in 2014-2015 to the tune of 12 million rands. And again, in 2020 and 2021, for a whopping 25 million rands. This road, however, continues to erode due to the faulty Hoha pump. Residents in Kimberley are often without water due to repairs, and an oversight with the provincial legislature to this road was also cancelled last week. Government has covered up this disaster for 18 years, and it is therefore required of this House to insist on immediate actions by government to implement a permanent solution to this problem. Honorable Deputy Chairperson, the farming community in the Northern Cape is the second largest employment sector in the province. 
We therefore were glad to have unanimously agreed to the following with regards to the locust plague, as well as the drought and fires that was experienced in the Northern Cape. And I quote from the report, members noted that if we do not assist farmers now, it will affect the crops. It, if, it, if we see it as a short-term problem, it will become a bigger issue in the future. Close quote. Honorable Deputy Chairperson, the report goes further and states the following. And again, I quote, on drought and locusts, a motion should be put through the NCOP to declare those areas as disaster areas. Upon declaration as a disaster area, the province will receive the necessary assistance. Close quote. Honorable Chairperson, it is now of utmost importance for the farmers in our province that these recommendations will not remain lip service, but that this house will act on it. It was worrying to have heard that Orion Minerals at Okip is struggling to obtain a mining license. This mine will create 1,500 job opportunities over a period of 20 years, and they have already invested millions into their mine and the community. Again, it is good to note that the report unanimously emphasized that obtaining a mining license should not be an obstacle to this project and that a solution should be sought. Vedanta Mine at Achenais expressed their concerns that their application for rezoning to build 4,000 houses on their property have been stalled by red tape. Again, it is noteworthy that our delegation unanimously agreed that the NCOP must consider and discuss how to assist in terms of cutting the red tape for the provision of these 4,000 houses. Honorable Chairperson, it's good if we can work together. Honorable Chairperson, I want to get to Honorable Nyambi. Honorable Nyambi, the Western Cape received the same bicycle that you spoke of. The difference is that unlike the ANC, the DA government in the Western Cape maintain, maintained its bicycle. And therefore, the bicycle in the Western Cape is still working perfectly. Unlike the bicycles in other provinces, provinces that has not been maintained. Honorable BC from the Eastern Cape, the only way in which the ANC will ever be high again is if they smoke some of the cannabis that you spoke about, because the ANC will never be high in polling or on election day ever again. Honorable Dangle, you say that we must be the finder of solutions. The solution is for this incompetent ANC government to be voted out of power and to be replaced by a DA government. We yes, like people with Wishful the people of South Africa, the people thinking. at heart will be in charge. Honorable Chairperson, the success of this Provincial Week will be determined on the willingness of this House to implement the recommendations that was agreed upon. If this is not done, the Provincial Week would have been just another tick box exercise and a, an ex exercise of window dressing, as we have witnessed so many times in the past. I hope that this will not be the case this time around. Thank you, Honorable Chairman. Thank you very much, Honorable Alka. Uh, can I now again call on Honorable Mutswana? He is on the platform. Does, is he going to participate in the debate, yes or no? Honorable Mutswana? It doesn't seem like that. If Honorable Mutswana is not available, we will now go to the Chief Whip, Honorable S.J. Mohai, to conclude. Thank you, Deputy Chairperson. 
and also greetings to the chair of the council, the house chairs, Honorable Nyambe and Mengwenya, uh, honorable members of the house, distinguished special delegates, MEC Dukwana and MEC Fromuka. Thank you very much uh, for also sharing with us your thoughts and also making meaningful contribution in this important debate uh, as MECs are in the front line of uh, implementation of the policies and also review in terms of the extent in which we are making progress in our provinces. Thank you very much for that. Deputy Chairperson, let me as well recognize uh, Salga in absentia. It would have been good to complete this discussion with Salga's participation. Allow me to join other members who have noted that the 2022 NCOP Provincial Week program took place against the backdrop of the deteriorating state of our local municipalities in terms of good governance, service delivery, and community development in general. This trend continued to significantly reverse some of the qualitative gains of our democracy since 1994, April democratic breakthrough. Critical among these setbacks is the erosion of the trust and confidence of the people in our elected representatives. This has led to political disengagement by the people with the elected representative, which has given rise to proliferation of spontaneous violence, grassroots protest. Deputy Chair, whilst protest is another form of democratic engagement protected in our constitution, we should be worried as public representatives when protests take lawless and violent forms, and which include the destruction of public infrastructure and threat to human life. According to the study by Professor Peter Alexander of University of Johannesburg, these protests have assumed the rebellion of the poor against poor service delivery, joblessness and hunger, which has turned South Africa into the world capital of violent protests. Water, sanitation, and electricity are fundamental human rights issues, which majority of our people, especially women, the poor and the downtrodden, continue to be denied these rights. The poor or lack of maintenance of water and sanitation infrastructure continue to turn streets in some municipalities into running water of sewage, which threatens the hygiene and health of our people, especially young children. Among the common challenges faced by the municipalities across the country is the indebtedness to ESCOM and water utilities for bulk supply of electricity and water. This does not only lead to disruption in the supply of these basic services, but also pose existential threats to ESCOM and different water utilities, which play a critical role in the economy. In the not so distant past, we have read media reports about some companies threatening to relocate from poor performing municipalities to stable and performing municipalities with huge potential for job losses. According to section 154, subsection one of the constitution, national government and provincial government by legislative and other measures must support and strengthen capacity of municipalities to manage their own affairs, to exercise their own powers and to perform their own functions. This brings into sharp focus the fundamental question of the efficacy, effectiveness, and impact of our oversight role as the only legislative chamber assigned with the constitutional mandate 
of promoting sound intergovernmental relations and cooperative governance. The provincial week was designed to give effect to the constitutional injunction of affording the permanent delegates a structured interface with and participation in their legislatures. This is not for its own sake, but as part of enabling permanent delegates to clearly understand the challenges of their provinces in terms of implementing national policy. In doing this, we cannot be neutral or oblivious to the glaring failure of provinces and municipalities in carrying out of their functions in some instance. This though cause tensions at times where some legislatures feel the NCOP is taking their constitutional role of oversight over the provincial executive. In some instances, it becomes a source of irritation to provincial executive members who feel that they are not accountable to the NCOP. We need to be honest, we need honest conversation about these tensions so that there is a shared appreciation of the mandate of the NCOP by all stakeholders. Critical to this should be enhanced effort on our part in ensuring meaningful participation of provinces and Salga in the design of our programs. Deputy Chair, I'm raising this because the Free State NCOP delegation visited one of the projects in the rural part of Mangawu Metropolitan Municipality without the presence of either municipal or provincial officials, as alluded to earlier. While it is understandable for the province not to be part of the visit due to budget vote debates in the legislature, the failure by Mangaung to send officials or councillors is totally unacceptable and in violation of Chapter 3 of the Constitution. Chairperson, it has become clear that the allocation of infrastructure grants to municipalities should be based on credible project plans and assurance of requisite capacity by municipalities to implement the plan project. Where this is not the case, provinces should be proactive by providing this capacity support before funds are transferred to their municipalities. Experience teaches us that where funds are allocated without requisite capacity, then, then, then it becomes a challenge. It is like throwing those funds into the sea because either project cost will, inflated, will be inflated or unscrupulous contractors take advantage by doing shoddy and incomplete work in pursuance of profit maximization. Deputy Chair, we are making this point because at the core of wastages in most municipalities is poor planning, poor project design and implementation. In fact, the Auditor General has called for the leadership or in fact, in many ways, he asked where has been the leadership of these municipalities in these instances. In some instances, we also have politicians and municipal officials colluding in terms of poor workmanship schemes as part of the broader scheme that also uh, give rise to corruption and also a lot of money falls within the way side. We welcome the decision of the Directorate of Priority Crime Investigation to set up the special task team focusing on municipal fraud and corruption. This has begun to yield positive results with many cases reported by the Directorate to be on the court rolls for criminal prosecution across various municipalities in the country. These and other policy intervention measures will go a long way in terms of ending the culture of impunity by corrupt municipal officials. The issue of light, tightening our legislation to criminalize undue 
involvement and influence of councillors in the procurement and human resources, municipalities cannot be overemphasized. Central to this should be the strengthening of the internal systems and capacity of municipalities to delete and report undue influences with full protection of the law. For us in the African National Congress, as my colleagues have done, the crisis of poor governance in the municipalities is not an isolated problem of local government, but also speak to the challenge of forging and consolidating the integrated cooperative governance. At the core of the task of consolidating the integrated cooperative governance should be the strengthening of the capacity of the NCOP to track and follow uh, capacity of the NC to track and follow through critical decisions that it has taken in relation to intergovernmental relations and cooperative governance. For instance, among the difficult questions we ought to ask ourselves in this debate is what action plan and processes are we going to put in place to follow through the executive undertaking, undertaking in relation to all issues we are debating today? We cannot continue as usual if we are to make impact without capacity and internal systems to track, monitor, follow through executive undertakings about resolving the problems of our people. This only, this only, and only is a critical test of success of our performance. This call for a, a fundamental relook of our modus operandi and planning. At the core of this should be a focus on cluster of municipalities which share common cluster of problems and challenges. This should be accompanied by a clear plan with measurable outcomes per year. For instance, with the engagement of the relevant sector departments, provinces, and affected municipalities, a determination should be made in terms of how much is owed by metropolitan municipalities to ESCOM with clear action plan bound to clear time frame as to how much to be how much the debt will be reduced over what period. The situation of the water and electricity crisis that to be said that Malutia Pofu municipality is a compelling case for this targeted and outcome-based approach. This has been there for many years and continue to escalate without abating. It is my contention in this debate that parliament is not like a school classroom. It's not like in a school classroom where we chase the syllabus. Fundamental to our task is to address the problems of the people. We should remain focused in terms of dealing with these issues not to chase numbers of meetings, which at the end of the day cannot yield positive results in addressing the problems of our people. The district development model will go a long way in strengthening integrated planning across the spheres of government as part of addressing some of these problems raised in this debate. I think it's a matter that we should continuously workshop, particularly amongst our opposition uh, parties. This will also enhance capacity support of the national and provincial government to municipalities. The positive impact of the model has, prov has proven to yield positive results during the early stages of its pilot selected district municipalities. The key question of the NCOP is how we invigorate our monitoring of the model in actual arena of action and its impact on sustained basis. How we influence policy landscape towards differentiated model for funding of low-income and rural municipalities is among critical tasks we must dare not fail in this term. Deputy Chair, to conclude, allow me to propose that as part of strengthening our work, 
we should perhaps consider either quarterly or biannual review of our work. I want to welcome all the contributions that honorable members has made, uh, also critical questions that we must continuously answer that was raised by other members in the opposition benches, but also appreciate the contribution made by members uh, of the ANC in no terms articulating that we do not exist for the next elections in the ANC. ANC is not an electoral platform. ANC is an organization of the people that must serve it as an instrument at the disposal of the people. Where there are problems, we must consistently focus on dealing with those problems in mind without the next elections. Like the DA, everything else, they are obsessed about the upcoming elections in 2024. So that's not the focus. The focus is resolving people's problems. Thank you very much for the contribution of our members in this great debate. Thank you, Deputy Chair. Thank you very much. The debate. And I will now put the question. The question is that the report be agreed to. But before we proceed to voting, I shall allow the provinces the opportunity to make their declarations of vote in terms of Rule 86, if they so wish. And you can just indicate if you want to make a declaration. If none, we shall proceed to the voting on the question. And the question is that the report be agreed to. I will now call upon the provinces to cast their votes. When called upon, heads of delegations must indicate whether they vote in favor, against, or abstain. Eastern Cape? Eastern Cape? Uh, good afternoon, uh, Honorable Deputy Chair. Uh, Eastern okay. Cape is voting in favor. Thank you very much. Free State? State votes in favor, Honorable Deputy Chairperson. Thank you very much. Gauteng? Gauteng in favor, Honorable Deputy Chairperson. Thank you very much, KwaZulu Natal. Thank you, Honorable Sheikh. Mpumalanga. Mpumalanga vote in favor, Honorable Chair. Thank you, Honorable Member. Northern K. Vote in favor, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much, Northwest. 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 Western Cape. Western Cape does not support uh, the report because the process was flawed. Thank you. Northwest. Northwest. Northwest, honorable members, voting is now closed. Seven, now, seven provinces have voted in favor. So I will therefore declare the report agreed to in accordance with section 65 of the constitution. The report will be referred to the select committees for oversight over implementation of the resolutions take, taken. Honorable delegates, that concludes the business of the day. I wish to thank the House Chairperson Committees, the Chief Whip, MECs, and all the permanent and special delegates who participated in the debate. 
With that, the House stands adjourned. Thank you very much, honorable members. Recording stopped.